What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of P.S. I Love You XOXO. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside he only does everything, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. Now, what is the problem with these underwear you're wearing? You're freaking out early or yanking them down? Well, What's I that? haven't done laundry in a while, so now I'm like, I'm like using bottom of the barrel. Under- yeah, and- like these, like the one, like the novelty underwear. Yeah, I've like- been there. The one they they have like an elastic kind of strap, like, but like they're really loose boxers. So like you put your pants on and they just bunch up like around Um, the crotch and the bundle. And then you have to fix it, and then you kind of, I don't know, it's a whole thing and a yeah, whole mess. It's rigmarole, as they call it, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't like it. I'm wearing a, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a, a shirt here that is also a tattoo I have, so it's a little redundant. Sure, but it looks good. Did you, you want her to die if you're Thanks. listening at home? It's, it's that shirt. Yeah. It's not your arm. It's like the actual drawing. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The carving. Right. Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm. He did it. Yeah, he did. Tell me more about it. About the, the thing? Yeah. Uh, it's about Seems the like colonies. It's the saying if they're not assembled, they'd all die. It was mm-hmm. like his rallying cry that they needed to work together. That right. They couldn't go out and try to. I was know, hoping some, something a little more funny. but I'm not going to do the tales no, on this. No, no, I, okay. I, when we get down to big old. I have something for you later. That when we get to big to... old Benny Franklin, I ain't going to throw no oh, jokes around. Okay. The man who should have been our president. Oh, I didn't know you felt that way about him. Yeah. Anybody oh. who can discover electricity. And actually, anybody who can invent electricity. I'm pretty much a big fan of. As you know. That's what I But the nature invented electricity. Sure. God did. Uh, well, God might have invented it as well. Um, but I'll have something for you later on that we can the, play a little game. Okay, good. Tales you know I game. love the games. Because there's something Ryan Clements fucked up. Ryan! At Plumside. That I'm really going to need you to help me out At Plumside, everybody tweet at him we'll right now. It. Okay, we'll figure out what he did here in a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, this is PS I Love You XOXO. It is kind of funny's PlayStation podcast. We come to you each and every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. An hour early today. We're putting up an hour early this time to Are get we? around. We have a Tomb Raider embargo at 9 for a nice oh, little video we have. So we're getting that out So of we're door. getting out of the Xbox games way. Oh. You know what? I, it's shots oh. fired by Kind of Funny at its number one PlayStation mm. podcast. I can't believe it. Mm. Uh, if you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, kindoffunny.com keeps the lights on. So go there. Subscribe to each one of our YouTube channels. Listen to the other podcasts. Rate them on iTunes. Share them with your friends. Go to fi- kindoffunny.com slash store. Buy some shirts. You can buy a PS I Love You shirt there. PS I Love You poster. Maybe there'll be another PlayStation event coming up soon where you can buy new PS I Love You shirts and posters. Oh, I wonder when that's going to happen. Wonder what that might be or where that would possibly Mm. be. But before we even get to that Mm. event on the horizon that may or not be, you know, coming one day in December Mm. in the early first weekend kind of experience in San Mm. Francisco. Wait, 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 wait. I still smell off everywhere. This is okay. So catch us up. And on now this. I smell garlic. I think I am having a stroke. So earlier today, we're sitting in the kitchen table. We're yeah. working as we do. That's our kind of funny HQ out there. And you said, I smell off. Something smells off is actually what you said. And everybody's like, what the hell? What, what's wrong? And then you're like, no, I, off. off. It smells like bug spray. Yeah. Off the bug spray. Right. And none of us could smell it. Now it smells like garlic. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> it's just every every neuron just burning out in your head. All these it's memories. All, it's all early early childhood. All being outside on Long Island, garlic for all the Italian food. It's yeah, slowly whittling my I'm way taking back you to back zero. Home. Yeah. Uh, before Sorry we get to, to any, no, it's fine. This is what the show's all about. Conversational. You know that. Before we get to anything else, though, I want to tell a couple things. Get it on your uh, agenda. Some housekeeping for PS. I love you. XOXO. Number one, if you didn't know, we have an AMA coming up Friday, November sixth, one p.m. Pacific time. You go to kindoffunny.com slash AMA. You come, you ask, you can talk to Colin, myself, Tim, Nick, anything you want, blah, blah, blah. That is leading you into... You cannot talk to Kevin. 
No, Kevin doesn't get his own thread. He never will either. Uh, that That is then leading into kindoffunny.com slash extra life. November 7th, uh, we're doing a 24-hour live uh, charity stream for Extra Life, of course, benefiting the Children's Miracle Network. We'll be playing video games all day long on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. So go there, uh, follow so you don't miss anything. November 7th uh, at 8 a.m. Pacific time until November 8th at 8 a.m. Pacific time. And then also, here's something helpful that I hope gets to you in time, ladies and gentlemen. Every so often, mm. we put up this podcast. Mm. Mm. Weekly Tuesdays. Not him. Uh, Except for this week when it's going up at 8 a.m. And every so often, I get a tweet or two that, hey, your podcast crashes my phone. Right, I've heard this that, This doesn't help happen to any other podcasts. And we're always like, well, we just have, we're just the biggest podcast. There's a That's lot the of data. There's so much information. As we said last week, Shuhei's giving you a sandwich full of news and you're putting it in your mouth. Right. Uh, Joey Noel, mm. big time kind of funny mm. fan, supporter mm-hmm. who works on the, she's a mod everywhere, does everything right, for right, her. Right. She's amazing. She has counteracted this problem by updating her iOS Update your iOS on the phones. This apparently fixes the problem. If it doesn't... Gotta be current with that firmware. Everyone go to kindoffunny.com slash forums and report there what, what else is happening. We're PlayStation fans. We're plenty familiar with firmware, and you should know that you have to update it at least twice a week. Right. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Haven't you ever used the Vita before? Haven't you? Yeah, right. I haven't. Yeah. And that's why it's... No. You haven't used it. Except for the 96% you, we sold to you guys. Yeah. We're the, we're the oh, success. we are responsible for the Vita selling anything at all. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. See, I was thinking about it recently, Greg. I was, I was, I was remarking about it you know, to, to myself and to you that... I was remarking it to myself. I speak to myself. I'm well aware you do. Is uh, I do speak I've to myself. I've heard you yeah. play Batman. Um, where I really do talk to myself, which is weird. I've only been really cognizant of it recently, but mm-hmm. ever since really you started pointing it out to me that I ask myself questions. Um, but somehow, some way over the last eight years, like we did fall into this weird position of being the most, I think, the most influential PlayStation individual voices on the internet. And... It's it, I, I only thought about it for the first time ever that people really do listen to us like hundreds of thousands of people really have like, you know, millions over time have listened to us and let us influence their purchases. Yeah. And I'm like, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, but it's cool. It's really it scary. It's not scary. Oh, it's it it's interesting. Scary. It's daunting. It's humbling. It's, it's all very humbling. Things. It's very humbling. But yeah, it's, it works. It's but the it's best scary. friend stuff we always talk about. When I became cognizant of it, I was like, huh. Well, that's interesting. And you're like, I've, I've, I've led so many people astray with I my mayonnaise. I'm the Adam Schefter of PlayStation. You are who are you? You're the Howie Long of PlayStation. I can take it. I can take it. You have a little dot on your glasses. I see, this is another thing. You've been talking a little bit of shit recently on the on your left lens. Yes, yeah. About me cleaning my glasses all the time. And I'm wondering well, you maybe do you should, it yours, is, yours is still there. We it's have a there. spectrum. It's still there. I don't do it at all. Well then this is permanent, Colin. That's how glasses work. Well you get an old man at me. It's there and it's obvious. I'm just letting you know how glasses work, Colin. I understand. I don't think you understand how glasses work. All right. Now you're just blowing air in my face. You spit in my face a little bit. That's fine. Not the first time. Won't be the last time. It's Now it's moved up at least. Yeah, now it's just at the top of your glasses. No, it's just over there. Oh, you got one of your little, crazy. you got your microfiber cloth? It's right in front of your hands, you doofus. I thought that was a doily. I thought you put on a PlayStation doily for this podcast. My apologies, sir. Well, it's been a good show. It has been a good show. What do you say we begin it with what is and forever will be? Roper's report. Time for some singular possessive news. Craig, there are ten items on the list. A baker's dozen. So not many items, but some significant, some substantial items. And we're going to start with a really substantial piece of news. Lay it on me. New PlayStation 4 sales numbers. Woo-wee. Number one, Sony has revealed new sales numbers for the PlayStation 4. As of September 30th, 2015, Sony has shipped a total of 29.3 million PS4s worldwide. Damn. 
The company has also increased its forecast, expecting to sell 17.5 million PS4s in its second year. That's up 1 million. Gotcha. It sold 14.8 million in its first year, so it's up year over year by a lot. NeoGAF user Alan-BH notes that this makes PS4, after two years of, I'm sorry, two full years on the market, the second fastest console at market of all time selling console gotcha. of all time. Only behind the Wii, which is now, you know, if you look at the charts, we looked at the Colin and Greg Live last week. This is when Wii starts to go almost totally vertical on the chart, when it really started to pull. This was, uh, this would be 2008. So this is when shit started to get real for it. After eight quarters on the market, Wii was at 34.55 million units shipped. So PS4 is at 29.3. PS2 at eight quarters uh-huh. was 24.99 million units. PS3 was at 16.6 million. Such a terrible opening for the Xbox PS4. 360 was at 13.4 million. Mm. So these this console is trouncing... PS3 and Xbox 360. Xbox One is also beating Xbox 360. It's worth noting. We have we don't have official numbers, but you have to assume it's at 15, probably. Yeah. Because what was the last check-in we had? A long time ago. Yeah, right. A really long time ago. Uh, for historical context. Thank you. PS4 has long outsold the likes of Xbox and GameCube, the original Xbox. And it is on the verge of passing its next milestones, which would be Atari 2600 at 30 million. Gotcha. And N64 at about 32 million. Okay. Genesis would be after that at 40. And then SNES would be about 50. So this console is going to outsell both of those within the next. Well, Genesis will be outsold before the end of the next year. And depending on how it does, maybe even SNES. So this thing is on the rise through the roof for context within the PlayStation family. PS1 lifetime sold 102.49 million units. PS2 lifetime sold 155 million units, making it the best selling game console of all time. PS3 sold 83.8 million units and it's still selling. Um, so it might peter out closer to 90 when it's all done. We'll see. Uh, so that's a little bit of historical context for you based on where it is in, in terms of the grander scheme, where it's, where it is in terms of the PlayStation consoles. Um, 29.3 million PS4s in eight quarters is an extremely, extremely healthy number. Not even eight quarters, really. What do you equate it to? Where is all this coming from? Why is it selling so well? I think it's gotta be multiple reasons. I, th- I feel like it's gotta be a hype PS4 had a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't have, I don't want to say it, it has very competent, um, it has a very competent um, arch nemesis in Xbox One, right? Competition. Mm-hmm. But Xbox One really handed, I would say, millions of these units to Sony. Sure. Messaging was all screwed up at the very beginning. Yep. PlayStation did what gamers like us, the core that's going to buy it on day one, wanted to hear. People right? don't forget about this shit. I know that Xbox One has turned around. We've, we've given them a lot of compliments. We had Aaron Greenberg on yeah. the Gamescast last week. We were talking a great deal about how well they're doing considering everything. And they're still selling better than Xbox 360. It's just hard to contextualize those numbers for them, which is why they don't talk about their numbers. They were all about talking about their numbers when they were winning. Yeah. Uh, Sony was all about hiding their numbers when they were losing. So it's not exactly a an uncommon thing. I mean, Sony has not talked about Vita sales numbers, for instance, in a long time. They combined PSP and Vita like every time to like make the numbers seem bigger than they really were. So that's not uncommon. So I think a lot of it has to do with, or I think some of it has to do anyway with Xbox One not being a compelling device for a lot of people based just on the rollout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has to do with uh, people being sick of um, the old consoles and needing something new. I think a lot of it has to do with the price at $400. It was very appropriately priced. That is two thirds the price the PS3 was uh, when it came out. Um, 
And I think it has to do with games, although I don't think it has to do with exclusives. I Which think is it, weird, right? Because yeah. PlayStation 3, that was always the trump card you and I would throw around, right? This is the year of PlayStation because of Starhawk and Twisted Metal. And I can go through it every month. There is an exclusive PlayStation game that you need to play. And the audience has all said, fuck that. No, we don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Now, but that's the thing about that makes this really interesting to me is that, yeah, it's sold, it's sold on the back of maybe Infamous Second Son a little bit or Killzone a little bit or Red whatever Zogun. the launch, Resogun, of course. DC Universe Online. DC Universe. But even these little, you know, Assassin's Creed or whatever yep. whatever you get every year, Call of Duty. Next year is when it gets real mm-hmm. because next year, well, this fall, you have Battlefront, you have, uh, you know... Um, Call of well, Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty. But I was going to say Battlefront really is, I think, still the big one for them. Uh, but yeah, you have Call of Duty. You Do you count Assassin's Destiny Creed. or is that already Destiny done? is gone, but I mean, it's still going to sell units. I think Destiny, I think the Destiny push was big for them. Yeah. Um, I definitely think the Destiny audience equates PlayStation with Destiny. Yeah, I think so too, which was very smart. I mean, they were very smart about the way they got into bed with Bungie very early yeah. in Activision. Um, but next year we get Uncharted. We're going to get Horizon, which I think is going to be very big for them. Um, Persona 5. Persona 5 is going to come and I think that's going to be, a, I think that is going to sell PS4s to a niche audience that is still playing their games on PS3 because a lot of those games are still available on sure, PS3. Sure, you still get your JRPGs over there. Even Zestiria was on PS3. So it's, it, and that just came out. So they're still coming. Um, the Last Guardian is going to be coming out. No Man's Sky is going to be coming out. PlayStation VR is going to be coming out, which requires PS4. So I think there's a lot of different ways for it to sell from first party, um, a first party perspective as well as a third party perspective. So I think the numbers are great, very strong. They're going oh, yeah, to they're they're gonna start to peter out. Um, you guys can go look on NeoGAF for the some of you know they, they those guys over there are smart and they they've put together you know a lot of charts and interesting kind of things. They're fine for now. Eventually, I suspect it'll never catch we. It might catch we cumulatively, but because we only we petered out about 102. Um, or around there, 102 million or 101 million. So it's going to peter out probably higher than that if this tr- sales trend continues. But my assumption is PS2 really took off, um, and that line is going to start going vertical soon. And so PS4 will probably fall behind that as well eventually, but not anytime soon. And there's no shame in falling behind Wii or PS2 because it's those were such those were part of the zeitgeist. What this is telling me, Greg, is that PS4 is part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, and and console gaming is alive and well. As MPD noted, the PS4 and, and Xbox One are still 60% ahead of, of month-over-month sales compared to Xbox 360 and PS3, so they're in good shape. They're yeah. in very good shape, and they're profitable. Sony's profitable. Yep. Barely, but they're profitable. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, Colin. Well, it matters when you were losing billions of dollars. Well, yeah, but I'm saying about winning, not losing. Right. Losing matters big time. It says a lot that, I mean, they've put a lot behind marketing. I'm sure they're still paying R&D costs for PS4 and a lot of other, you know, unseen costs and just the cost of doing business. But it does say a lot about Sony that they're not, you know, nothing in their portfolio seems to be as successful as PS4 or PlayStation. Because if everything was as successful as PlayStation, they would have shown a, a profit much higher than the very meager profit they showed. Sure interesting times ahead i don't know man the uptick for next year is going to be interesting you know we talk about like the spike ps2 saw ps2 saw that spike right because of a grand theft auto because of mm-hmm. metal gear because of these things that came around and were amazing but like there's amazing experiences on tap what is uncharted 4 going to do next year also the other thing we forgot to mention was the price drop this console sold almost 30 million units with no price drop right none now, there was a de facto Japanese price drop at some point that was implemented, but fewer than 3 million of the PS3s of the 29.3 million PS4s. I'm sorry. So let me reiterate. Fewer than 3 million of the PS4s sold out of the cumulative 29.3 million PS4s sold were from Japan, which means that the number is negligible. They did this at $400 or whatever mm-hmm. cost it is overseas in countries that I don't even know if they exist. Whether they use mini euros and Canadian maple leaves, I don't know. Um, 
So that's what's so impressive about it too. No price sure. drop. They dropped the price fifty dollars, and it's going to increase. I mean, they're going to they're going to clean up this holiday. And I reiterate that Xbox One must win two of the three months: October, November, December. Two of those. If they don't, then they really have a huge problem on their hands because if the likes of Halo and the Gears Remaster and even the remnants of Forza and, and Rare Replay and Tomb Raider, plus the third party games, they had they're in bed with Fallout and with Bethesda for Fallout Four. They're in a lot of trouble. I mean, they're they're doing fine on their own, but in terms of of apples, to, you know, an apples to orange kind of comparison between the two consoles, they're going to be in a lot of trouble if they don't if they don't if do they can't do something here. If, I, if this is the this, this is, is their, their opening, sh- this is their shot, right? If this they can't opening. make a move here, then yeah, this is how it's going to be, and that's what they talked about, right? That's what mm-hmm. Phil Spencer talked about a while back. Of like, I don't know if we can catch PlayStation. It's good that they say that. I still think they can, but. It's going to take a Herculean effort. The thing about catching them, though, is like it'll always, it'll, it, we, you always bring it up, right? That eventually the PS3 outsold 360. But if you were to go around and ask people who don't listen to this podcast religiously, what they would always be like, oh, Xbox. The Xbox won the mindshare. They won the battle of words. They you know did. what I mean? And that sometimes matters. And that's the thing right now is, yeah, maybe Xbox One does catch up one day, but they're never going to celebrate the fact that there's a tie or that they, eight years from now they pulled ahead. You know right. what I mean? Like right now is what you're talking about. Right now is the console war. The one thing I'm disappointed in, you know, I, what I really appreciate about nintendo is that no matter how well they're doing or how poorly they're doing they release their numbers mm-hmm. to a fucking unit sold whether it's hardware or software they do it every quarter we know exactly how their games are selling yeah and i really respect that because the wii u is fucking getting destroyed i mean the wii u is, is barely at 11 million units 11 million that's awful it's yeah. fucking awful that's fewer than the dreamcast you know they're mean? there telling so, you every time and but they say it and i respect yep. that yep and it's so frustrating to me that these big companies just hide their numbers. I want to know how Xbox One's selling, you know? Yeah. And they can just spin it so easily being like, yeah, maybe PS4 is beating us, but look at how well we're doing by, okay, right, Xbox 360. And also, by the way, we're splitting our games focus to PC now and all these kinds of things, you know, making different plays. It's just, I understand why they do it, but at the same time, as an analyst and as someone who's just into this industry, it's frustrating that I don't have, I have to fucking guess. And Sony's obviously not immune to that either with the way they're treating the Vita and the way they used to treat the PS3. Right. So, um, you know, I digress. Number two. Number two. So wait, Greg, does Vita have first party games in development after all? <gasps> it seems that might be the case. Freedom Wars motherfucking two. If two recent interviews with PlayStation ex- uh, executives are any indication, GameSpot spoke with our friend Shuhei Yoshida about first party Vita development, to which he said, quote, I've been pretty honest saying our focus has shifted the PS4 and PlayStation VR. It's not like we don't have any development at all. We do. But our focus is on PS4 and PlayStation VR, and we are happy to see third parties and indies support it. End quote. GameSpot inquired with him on if he thinks Vita, the Vita business will live into and beyond 2016, in which he said, quote, yeah, I do, but we have to see. Nowadays, still people are excited and using Vita frequently. It's a great portable gaming system. As long as there is demand, why not? End He's quote. talking about us there. Meanwhile, VG247 spoke to PlayStation Europe's Jim Ryan, who said, quote, we're no longer in the business of triple A development on games for Vita, but there is still first party Vita content being worked upon, end mm-hmm. quote. Mm-hmm. What do you make of all this? Because I have a pretty good the idea of what they're from, saying. The second one from Jim Ryan isn't that's the one I'd always heard, right? Triple A development we had heard forever ago was done, and that was the thing. Well, like, well, Freedom Wars isn't a total Triple A game, so that can still happen again. Yeah, know? I don't think Freedom Wars is a is a Triple A game. I think it's an A game. Yeah, but it's made by it's it. So here's my reading. Of Lay this. the reading on me. Murasaki Baby. Yeah, is a good example. This no one played this game, but it was it was a Vita exclusive game from an Italian studio that was produced by Sony, paid for by Sony, and it's a Vita exclusive. I think that's what they're talking about. I right. think, and, and I'm not even sure if that necessarily, I'm not sure that, that they're talking about Murasaki Baby or similar development. They might be referring specifically to 
Hohokums on PS4 and Vita. And even though it's being made outside, we have a producer on it at Sony Santa Monica, our friend Zach Wood. So we are working on Vita games, right? Sure. I think that might be what they're talking about, is that there's going to continue to be, you know, they brought up volume, which still hasn't come out. Biffle, you piece of shit. You know, uh, Nuclear Throne still hasn't come out. Banner Saga still hasn't come out. These games... You and I started a petition for Wasteland, so that's coming out Right, Wasteland, soon. exactly. So I think that what they're saying is we are actively pursuing Vita games and we're producing them when necessary. They'll probably still come to PS4 as well, but there's a lot of cross-platform stuff. There's still, as far as I can tell, at least a couple hundred Vita games that were announced that haven't come out yet yeah. or may not come out at all. But Sure. Um, Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge, I mean, we're waiting fucking forever for that now. Um, so I think that's probably what they're saying is that they might have spoke too soon and I, assu- I assume that there wasn't like a fucking you know, klaxon going off at Sony HQ in Japan after all those stories came out about that, but they were saying like, that's not really true because... Yeah, we don't have Studio Japan or Polyphony or anyone working on Vita game. Gran Turismo, which was another miss on Vita that I yeah. think should have came to Vita. Um, but we do have this active production with our thir- second and third party partners to we're bring We're putting games money over. into games coming out, but we're not like saying, hey, Naughty Dog, stop what you're doing. Exactly. Do so I think that there's the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think what they're saying is, I'm sure, true, but I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of like, yeah, well, well Freedom Wars 2 seems like a no brainer to me. And I don't. I still kind of I still kind of believe that it might happen. Make it so I don't have to grind at the end, and I don't know where to go because that's the one annoying part that is keeping me from the platinum. Of course, that I have to look at all these websites to figure out where to go get these like one pieces of material that drop randomly. That's not cool, but it's not even explained well in the game. That's the problem. Sorry, that's enough. Nick's listening. Nick will make it happen. Uh, I haven't seen Nick in a while. I know, right? I wonder what he's working on now. Knack two, which I know you're excited about. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably what they're saying. I think that Vita still gets games and still sells. And we're going to find out later. It's getting a really random game from a really random publisher. And it's a pretty big one. Interesting. So we'll, we'll, so we'll, so we'll talk about that in a little while. We I think, will. I think you know the gentlemen. game I'm talking about. But it's it was surprising. This game was long rumored. And it's not going to be the last one from them either. We'll get into that in a minute. Number three. Are we going to be able to change our PSN names? Yes. It remains to be seen, though. It seems like it's being actively looked into. PlayStation France tweeted out a video asking Yoshida oh, oui, about oui. it. He said... Quote, oh we, oh we. A bonjour, oh, Shuhei Yoshida, oh, monsieur. Palm de frites. Palm de frites. And then he said, quote, I wish I, kn- I wish I know. Or I think he said new. We are aware lots of people are asking for the feature, and our engineers have been looking into what they can do. As soon as we know, you know, we will let you know. But as of today, we don't even know if we can ever do it. Hopefully, we will be able to provide that feature in the future. What do you make of this? I, I we've talked about it. I I think it's a PSX announcement, and I don't think there's there's no way for you to ask that question and not tip your hat to it and answer it. You know what I mean? It's very much the David Jaffe E3 thing, right? David, you going to E3 to show your new, new game? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. No, it's not ready. And then he comes out at the end and announces Twisted Metal, right? And everyone's like, "You lied to us." And he's like, "Well, I didn't want to ruin the moment." You know what I mean? Like this is the thing they've built it up for years and years and years. So yeah, what's she was supposed to say there? Like. Be excited for PSX or we're close or what you know what I mean? I'm of multiple minds with this one. Here's the thing. Shuhei Yoshida is a puppet master. He knew this would get picked up. He knew it'd be on this show. He knew it'd be on every show. And so then now the word is being spread that they're not even sure they can do it. What's wrong with Sony? And then at PSX, they're like, guess what, motherfuckers? Change your names. I think that you might be right. I'm usually am. What my my instincts tell me about this is why would he know? I mean, that's kind of like... Because he knows he, everything. I mean, he does. I mean, I'm sure they all talk, but people lose sight of the fact that he's in charge of the first party studios. Yeah. He's not in charge of the PSN or their infrastructure or the fucking hardware or the peripherals or anything like that. Sure. So 
this conflicts obviously some people are asking like you know we, we talk about our our friend Tidex who may or may not be telling the truth about anything he says I have no idea yeah um but he's the one who indicated online that this is, that this is happening at PSX um and whether or not that's true or not what's something we want to happen I just don't understand why um we assume and we're guilty of it too because we ask him all sorts of questions that he has nothing to do with but we have to keep in mind that Shuhei doesn't know everything that's going on or isn't up to date with the developments of everything that's going on at Sony because he's worrying about his own shit. I like to imagine each they every day he's briefed like the president on what's happening in all forms of PlayStation. They like sit him down they and go they to explain the, all this stuff. And they go to stuff. the situation room. Uh, here's one I have for you. Okay. Mr. Moriarty. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be part of the show to be part of the show. You write in to kind of slash P S Q unless you are some kind of industry insider who wants to remain hip hop anonymous. Like keep me a non wrote in and said, Hey, Colin and Greg, I'm a software engineer in the industry who likes to keep up on what the community is saying for a variety of reasons. One of the most common things I hear about about from your podcast is PlayStation Network IDs needing to be able to change them. I'd like to propose that you and your audience ask for something different. PSN ID aliases. These can be stored independently of the PSN IDs and then be used to reference the original user ID for whatever insanity Sony has going on in the background in their database. This would basically take the place of your PSN ID pretty much everywhere. The downside is friends list may load slower, which, come on now. Couldn't happen any slower than already is, so. Since they would have to blend the two tables if possible. I do agree. I do agree. Take a drink. That was a fucking awful swallow, even worse than usual. I do agree with Shu that there could be some difficulty on the back end for resolving this age-old problem that has plagued the platform. It's a mistake made by someone who has very little experience with databases and didn't have the foresight to realize that PSN IDs shouldn't be used as account identifiers. It's a very old problem. Since they are now changing, charging for the PSN, this is a burden they should solve sooner rather than later. Yeah, so what I've, t- I've talked to people about this and gotten some feedback about this too from various sources. The problem... Is that is what he's saying that right. the the unifying as far as I understand the and I'm not a technical person so I'm not going to use the right. We both heard the me. same thing, but yeah. like the idea is like like you're registered as your name, right? Your name is that. Whereas on Steam, where you can change your name, you're registered as zero zero one two whatever. Right, right, right exactly. Like, I, I, like some sort of digital or not digital, but digit based thing, like fingerprint, right? Thing. Exactly, like numbers or whatever things that don't get used outwardly. So if it's like so, if there's a in the PSN database, if it says um, you know, uh, game over Greggy slash trophies, game over Greggy slash library, game over Greggy slash leaderboards, game over Greggy slash save data. Yeah. I mean, this is all of the shit that they have to deal with. Um, I've been told by people that it would go, it would be so granular, granular on the PSN level that it would break leaderboards, that it would like, it would, it's really like a super destructive thing and they, and they can figure it out, but it's a massive technical lift for them. Right. And takes a lot of, it, if the, if that is actually the problem, will take a great deal of effort to fix and that they don't know if it's worth it. And to me, I say that the conundrum is simple. People need to be able to change their fucking names. Period. It is almost 2016. People that made their account in 2006 cannot change their names. Unacceptable. Should have thought and that's why. And that's what. No, I, and I hate. When people, I know that's not that's the such, real answer. I'm that's just saying. Corporate, but people say that sometimes. And I'm like, that is some corporate apologist bullshit. You pay a lot of money and you spend a lot of money on this network and you a lot of money on this hardware and they need to fix the problem. And it is a common problem. It is in every single 
I, I read the PlayStation blog and I read the comments anytime they ever talk about PSN or the PS4 or firmware what are we updates. Do with firmware yeah, for like over and over and over again. Like you, they need to fix it, and that's why I do think we're on the verge of it. And I think that Tidex might be onto something, although we we don't know. I don't you know. Can't verify. Tidex. I can't. I can't verify. And, I, not, what would be and I'm not interested in verifying. He's just a person on the internet. That is we, this anonymous person who reached out? If that's a more viable solution, maybe it, that it is could, finally. right. It could be, and maybe that is. Maybe that they're going to figure out some sort of cover system. Since we've talked about it, people have you know we talk about this every so often on the peripheral. Now it's. Here it is, a meaty part of the show. We're talking about it. Uh, a lot of people bring up the fact that now with the Facebook integration, right, you're changing that through the back end, showing how you display real name requests to re- replace my name and show Greg Miller rather than Game Over Greggy. It seems like that could even be the easier fix of putting aliases in like he's talking about. Right, but you need to be able to fix it on such a level that when you're playing Call of Duty, it doesn't say Game Over Greggy anymore. Right, right, and right, that's right, the right. major problem people have. So are they going to be able to fix it? I think, I think so. I think that they... They have to figure out probably without being an engineer, without understanding it, they're probably going to figure out a very clever workaround, like he's saying. I don't know that they're going to go in and change it or be able to change it. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Very. It really is interesting because I and to his point, someone Sony knows this is a problem. They're yeah, not. They're not. No. They've known it's a problem for years. But what's funny is that in two thousand five, two thousand four, whenever they started really developing the PSN, someone made a decision that is haunting them. Mm-hmm. And Jackie no, Trenton. And no one in there was like, yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like the way we're building this, like they, that's so. Well, like, you remember pl- Sony back then. I don't know if that's a good idea. Whatever, they'll live with it. We are PlayStation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody thought it through. And and it's it does show a little bit. I don't want to say ignorance, but just a little bit of like lack of foresight because Xbox didn't have that problem. That's the big thing. And I, that's the big thing that bothers me. When we get the chance to write our novel or make our documentary about the PlayStation mm-hmm. years, where we do a 12-hour documentary about PlayStation. And we get to this point. I really want to know what those conversations were like. And if, how, did, was it that uh, PlayStation, I mean, and it's so, and now with Steam and Xbox Live and all these different things, right? It's so easy to take for granted that it was a different time back then. We didn't have examples of how things should be running and how interactions should be. But was it that they were building it off on their own just not even worrying about what anybody else was doing. And then Xbox Live comes out, you know, Xbox 360 sure. launches. And then they look at it like, that's cute. That's a good idea. But we like what we're here. And we're, we'll take this and we'll do that. But we won't, you know what I mean? Like, how malleable were the ideas? Well, I, I mean, tro- how much research went into it? Sorry. Uh, I was going to say the inclusion of trophies sh- says to me that they were paying very close attention to what Microsoft is doing since they copied it as soon as possible. Yeah, 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 it didn't take them that long. It took them, it took them a year and a half to implement it. Mm. So you have to assume that they were in the back end doing it for a long time. The trophy system, by the way, as far as I understand it, is totally separate from... That's something else. Like, that's just something else. That's just over here. And, like, the PSN in your game library is, like, over here. Right. With your game data and maybe all that kind of shit. That's why you gotta sync these goddamn trophies and it takes forever. Dude, like, you hear from engineers and people that just hear about PlayStation Network just anecdotally, just like we do. Yeah. That are like, it sounds like a disaster. Yeah. You know, like whatever is going on back there. Sure. Clearly, it doesn't work that well. I mean, it's still it's still not great. I wonder, it's better. But my it's thing great. with it. Yeah. And the fact that it's still not great. I wonder if they could have just pulled the plug. And I know this sounds crazy, but stick with me. Right. If you could have done something where you're like, all right, cool. You're upgrading the PlayStation 4. You're buying a PlayStation 4. That means that you have to move your account up to this level. And then it, there's no going backwards for it. You still have all your games and everything you bought on PS3. If you're going to keep playing on PS3, you're building out a separate library or whatever the hell it is. But PS4 going forward is this new thing. Right. I'm sure it would have sucked and we all would have rioted. But if you could have just made it where it was like, you get it in your PlayStation 3 
inbox, you get a redeemable token or whatever, so that when you turn on your PS4, you put that token in, and you're like, okay, you get Game Over Greggy. That was, you know, you, you you had that name before. Now this token bestows upon it in the new ecosystem, PlayStation 4, at which point we take a snapshot of your trophies and put them onto a list so you see it, but from here on out, you're building something new, and we can't snapshot back over your PS3 trophies. You know what I mean? Like, some convoluted, fucked up way that people would have been pissed about, but if it would have worked in the way that I don't have to jump out and sync and do all these different things. Right. I think, well, that, that brings me back to what I think might be another solution to the problem, which is to create some sort of macro system on the back end. And by that, I mean, I used to use macros, and I think that's the proper word for it, where you set a very specific... Uh, I used to use macros when I was building guides yeah, because we used to build them in HTML where you set a bunch of parameters and it happens automatically. So you're like, when this, then this, when this, then this, when this, then this. And you set something to say like, Game Over Greggy wants to be Game Over Greggy 2 now. And so uh, Game Over Greggy trophies now equal Game Over Greggy 2's trophies and so on and so forth. And transfer sure. everything over in a very manual sort of way. It might be another solution for them. What I'm interested in is, you know what? Uh, go and leave us uh, mail. What is it? At, at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. Yep. Um, and... If you're an engineer, you have insight. If you're in this industry, if you if you know what's going on over there, your 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 identity will always be protected with us. We're curious. This is just something I really want to know about. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we always protect our sources. Yeah, always. We that, have for many years. Yeah. Maybe reach out via email if you're a protective source. That way, you don't put on the message board. Yeah, sure. that makes sense. Yeah. That's a good point. Or you could just make an alias on the message board. Sure. Number four. But then they trace it back, and it turns out it was they can't, Scott Rohde. They can't yeah. change. They can't figure out how to change your PSN names. Do you think they're going to track someone's fucking name back? Yeah, all right. <laughs> sure, number, should be on it. <laughs> number four. I'm really interested to see. We talked about this a little bit, but I want to talk to you more about this because we only had a minute to talk about it on Colin and Greg. Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain shipped 5 million units worldwide in one month on the market. Word comes by way of GameSpot, which notes that the sales figure includes digital copies sold. So it's digital copies sold plus units shipped one month from September yes. 30th to s- September 30th. September 1st to September 30th. That seems soft to me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think of the numbers. It does seem soft. It, do, it I, I don't think it's bad. You know what I mean? That was one of the things that the chat was a li- not livid about, but lit up about uh, on Twitch.tv such kind of funny games is the fact that they're like five million is good na- numbers. for da-da. And it is. It's just not juggernaut numbers for a game that you know, had so much strife behind it that is a franchise everybody wants so bad. A game is doing so well critically. You know, that's my game of the year. You know what I mean? Like you, the there was a time there, and this is back to the echo chamber, right? Where all people talked about was Metal Gear. You know what I mean? I'll, I tweeted about it the day it was happening. Where I'm like, this is amazing, and it's kind of bittersweet because it'll never be like this again. Where everyone's tweeting about my favorite thing. You know what I mean? But. Now we remove ourselves from the echo chamber, who we hang out with and wh- who our peers are, right? And you see that, yeah, NBA just trounces it. You know what I mean? Like NBA, yeah, and like half the time it. in the market. Yeah, yeah, more, yeah, more platforms. Yep. But well, actually, somewhat equivalent platforms. Sure, but nobody's buying on PS3 and 360. But I, I saw those numbers and I was like, that's soft because the game purportedly cost somewhere in the realm of eighty million dollars, eighty yeah. million, which is on the high end, but not super high end for a game. But eighty million is a lot of for money, uh, money for a game. Sure. Plus marketing, 20, 30 million. Yeah. The game's nowhere near being profitable. Not even close. So what I was saying, first of all, on um, on Colin and Greg was, this is concerning to me from Konami's standpoint, who's now going to point to this mm-hmm. and be like, look. We ma- we're making the right call. Yeah. like we Everyone m- wants to make fun of us for leaving console right. games and going pachinko machines and da-da-da-da-da. But look, this is our biggest franchise from our bi- the biggest name that you guys all love so much, apparently. But look, nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm just doing the math right now. You do the math, Colin. Like assuming that, yeah. So assuming that, let's see. This is like I hate this fucking calculator. It's three zeros, six zeros. So assuming they got every dollar back. Yeah. 
five million units would be about it says here three hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that isn't the real number. That's kind of how economics work. Yeah, that's not how any of it works. So they need to do better, right? And and you know because obviously they're splitting the money with you know GameSpot or you know GameStop rather, and the other retailers are getting their cut. Everyone else is getting their cut. Everyone. And then it trickles down to people you have to pay, you have royalties to pay, you have the shipping to pay, the printing of the disc, your external QA, your um, your mock reviews and your fucking focus testing. I mean, there's a million different things you have to pay. Then you get your money back. And wh- when I look at this, I'm like, shit, like they'll probably break even or make a profit eventually. But this is this is proving the point, because if this game can't sell at 80 million dollar budget, then why why would they indicate that if they spent 40 or 50 million on a good Castlevania game that that would they would make their money back either. So that was my first thing I thought about was like the numbers are soft and that's bad for Konami's IP. Yeah. Then I was thinking even more about you were talking about juggernaut numbers. Let's talk about juggernaut numbers. Let's do it. Call of Duty is going to do juggernaut numbers. Although I think it's going to be softer this year. Although mm-hmm. some people are indicating that they don't think that that's what going to do be you the case. What do you think Juggernaut for Call of Duty, what do you think it's going to be? In a little bit soft. Well, I mean, what have previous Call of Duty? Soft is 15 million. I would say not soft is closer to 20. Okay. Battlefront's going to do 13 million. That's what that's what EA thinks is going to be. So those are Juggernaut numbers. Fallout 4 will sell 5 million units in a week. I mean, in my mind. I mean, I, I can't see how that game's not going to fucking trounce Metal Gear. You know? Now, and I, I'm with you. I believe you, but I, now this makes me a little bit worried about it. You know what I mean? Because it, it, is it back to the echo chamber? Everyone we know is incre- is fucking going crazy about Metal Gear. Or I'm sorry, Fallout. I'd pick a brick out of this castle wall and knock myself out just so I could wake up and play Fallout 4. You know what I mean? But what does that mean in terms of... Because that's how I was about Metal Gear. That's how other people were about Metal Gear. Yeah, Don't I, get me wrong. I think Fallout is a bigger name for... Mo- I think Metal Gear for the longest time has been... Hey, here's this niche game, Metal Gear. A lot, I know people who love it, da da da. But then I was so excited about Metal Gear Solid Five that everyone was playing it, loving it. But what does that mean for Fallout? Yeah, it's possible. Maybe the maybe I'm being very bullish. Maybe it'll take a few weeks for Fallout Four to sell more than Metal Gear, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm confident in that. Sure, I'm not arguing. Met- that, yeah. Remember, Fallout Three shipped somewhere almost to five million at by the end of 2008, after two months on the market, in which Fallout was not a name no, at that point. It wasn't at all. Now, New Vegas made it a little bit more of a name or just kept it current. Remember that they dropped Fallout Four out of fucking nowhere. Like the nuclear bombs China dropped in the United States in 2077. And so it wasn't drawn out and teased. People were immediately excited. This is why Bethesda's move was brilliant. And this is why more companies are going to do this. And this is what I was saying before Fallout was even announced, although it was clear it was going to be announced. This is the way you do it. This is the fucking way you do it. And so they're going to see, we're going to see how it all peters out in sales. I mean, Fallout 4 is going to fucking murder. I agree. I I mean, there's no, I have no doubt about it, especially on PC. Which is where I don't think Metal Gear did Delivered. strong. Yeah. Also, let's not forget that Ground Zeroes was not a didn't placate or satiate the gamer, but drew it out and teased you a little bit. So this was a years long fucking process, right? right. right. Fallout Four is going to just come out of nowhere and just knock people out. You were sick of hearing about Metal Gear right. almost to a point where by the time you got, I it. definitely was. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was. And what I liked about with with Bethesda was like, as far as I can tell, I don't even think anyone went hands on with it. Like as far like I don't even remember there being I don't remember there being a preview cycle at all. Yeah, yeah. Now there might have been, but I don't remember that. Even Grand Theft Auto Five had fucking preview cycles where they really I did one of them. Yeah. Where I where I was in New York and played it. Yeah. And where we didn't have to really do that, or we shouldn't say we we love to do it, but Rockstar didn't have to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not even sure why they did, but Bethesda doesn't seem like they they were just like here's the game, here's what it looks like, here are seven awesome videos that tease special, and then here's the game. 
So I think they're going to benefit from that. So so going back to the original question, what do I think is soft? I don't know. I think it's by a game by game basis. But when you have juggernauts coming out around you, Halo Five is going to be a juggernaut. Although mm-hmm. I don't know how well it's doing. They haven't announced numbers yet, so I'm interested to see if they do. Um, you know, how did that do? Uh, Battlefront. How is that going to do? Call of Duty. How is that going to do? Fallout Four. How is that going to do? Metal Gear is not going to. I think Metal Gear is going to benefit from a slow long burn. Yeah. But I think that in the immediate vicinity of it, it was really smart to come out in September because if it came out closer to now, it would have really gotten. Yeah, I think it would have really numbers. been an actual trouble. Fewer. You know, yeah. the competition is so heated right now. Right. Um, between like-minded games and then games that also are very big. Right. Yeah. And if you want an open world, you're gonna go to Metal Gear or Fallout. And if you want a shooter, you're gonna go to Halo or Call of Duty or Battlefront. Yeah. So there's there's just it's a mess. Yeah. I can't wait to see how it all turns out. But I I I looked at those numbers. I thought they were soft. But you're right. There's an echo chamber effect somewhere right. in here. Somewhere in here, we're wrong. This room, we're wrong in here every day, and every Tuesday for you. Number five. Upcoming Mirror's Edge sequel, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, has been delayed. Here's what the game's producer, Sarah Jansen, said in a statement. This is a long one, so stick with me. Quote, years ago, we set out on an ambitious vision for Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Trademark. Oh, okay, good. Thank you for telling me. I was going to steal it. Achieving that vision and delivering the best possible experience is equally inspiring and challenging, and it takes time. We set out to create a vast city to explore full of stunning vistas, majestic skyscrapers, and mysterious tunnels. That's an interesting one, Mysterious Tunnels. We're building the most immersive action-adventure game with fluid movement and combat in first person. Mirror's Edge Catalyst will be an all-new playground with a deeper and more engaging story. And we want to accomplish all these goals to the highest quality possible. So we've made the decision to bring Mirror's Edge to the world starting May 24th, 2016. That's a two-month delay or so, a little more than that. We will use these these few extra months to make sure that when you step into the massive city of glass and experience the rise of faith, it's as entertaining, impressive, and memorable as it can be. Mirror's Edge Catalyst has received an incredible response from fans around the world over the past months. You've been eager to see the return of faith in the unique style and gameplay that only Mirror's Edge can create. Witnessing your positive reactions has been an amazing motivation for me and the rest of our passionate team at DICE. Thank you again for your patience and support. Keep the faith. Ah. End quote. No, you gotta keep the faith. I'm, this is not a game that I'm like burning to play. Although, no, we talked al- about it. Yeah, although I'm interested and I will play it. Because uh, I really love the pre- presentation of the original Mirror's Edge, although I think the gameplay left much to be desired. Yep, um, that's what I hope they fix. That was the whole thing. Yeah. I put it, picked it up. I'm like, oh, I love this setting. I love this idea. Oh, it's not that much fun to do this free running. I'm not. I'm not willing to put in the learning curve to get to the good part. And then get guns and stuff came around. Like, all right, no. And so yeah, and then you play something like Dying Light, right, where you're like running and having a great time. Like, I hope they fucking apply this right. kind of parkour to the game. Real talk, I'm not so sure this is going to be a game that's going to do very well. No, like, I, I, I guarantee it will not do well. And I'm not sure why they're making it. Like, Because I think it's EA's thing where they're trying to go to what players want. And I appreciate that, but I really do appreciate that. They are listening. I mean, when we talked to Peter Moore at E3, it really seemed like they yeah. had their ear down and they were, and you know, and they're, they're figuring it Is it good it for gamers, they kept asking. Yeah, and because, and, and I love that he said to us, and I really appreciated this. This was such an honest response to saying, like, we make, and I'm just paraphrasing, but like, hand over fucking fist money he on didn't say FIFA fucking fist. and madden and all these things like we can afford to take losses yeah and he cited yarny and stuff but i think this is in that same camp right where they've heard for years from the hardcore gamer who supports them or should support them or whatever they want this they want this they want this and they're like you know what fine here it is are you going to support yeah exactly and And that'll be the backlash not the backlash but i mean that'll be the comment afterwards right if it underperforms they're going to be like 
we listened to what you guys wanted. Like, we're not the most evil company in the world, see? But you didn't support us, so why would we go down this road? I want to know how Mirror's Edge sold, like the original one. Like, what what indicates to them that this is chatter i mean you hope it you hope it's similar to what we've talked about what i what no stick with me all right because it's i'm talking on a smaller scale shorter timeline you hope it's on the scale of what we talk about with persona and what i think is going to happen with fallout and or but like remember that like persona's been around forever right so persona 3 comes out and that was my first introduction to it played it loved it so persona 4 came out and i was super excited for it but then vita really introduces persona to the masses right and suddenly everyone knows about this thing and plays this game that everybody's been talking about forever you know what i mean you've they've been they've known they've heard of this franchise forever and so now the real one where it's set to explode is persona 5 because now you have all these good vibes all these people who've been telling you persona 4 is the best game on playstation vita one of the best ps2 games right on top of ps3 or uh, p persona 3 think about that now with uh fallout same idea right fallout 3 mm-hmm. is one of the best mm-hmm. games you've ever you now you haven't played it you're crazy how many people have written in like i've never played it before do i have to play it before i play fallout 4 and we're like no fallout 4 is going to get all these people who all they know is that game's awesome and they have this new system and they want to play it on on a smaller scale i think that's what they're planning for with mirror's edge right i i think ea is not ea is very smart when it comes to business they're aware this game is not going to do juggernaut numbers, but they expected to do better than Mirror's Edge because there has been this vacuum of what's it been five years, six years, maybe five or six years, probably. Yeah, I, feel, uh, I want to say 2010. Maybe. Of people talking about Mirror's Edge and faith and this and how cool this was, and like now you get to come out and like people haven't played that one, they didn't play it, but they've heard about it, right? There's a there is a generation of gamers who have come up and are looking for something cool, and they're going to hear about this, and if it performs, if it does well, if you know we all talk about it. Then they get excited and they go get it. Oh yeah, it's later than that. I was way 2008. Yeah, see, geez, that's a long time. I knew it was time. a red. I knew it was a red spine PS3 game because yeah. I can see it in my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is a long time, and I'm just trying to figure out reception. It's one of those ones when you talk Ooh, to people. Yeah. Uh, but two and a half million units as of 2013. So right, that's. That's not thing, very good. But I mean, it's one of those games everyone will talk about. Clements will talk your ear off about this. I think Mitch will too. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those ones that comes up when people talk about the best of last generation. So now you talk about, all right, we've learned from our mistakes. We're putting on to the, you know, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Let's see what this thing can do. We'll find out. We will in May, thanks to a delay. Number six. Uncharted 4 Thief's End multiplayer will include microtransactions. That's GameSpot normal. passed along word from the game's lead multiplayer designer, Robert Cogburn, friend of ours. Cogburn, you son of a bitch. Who said, quote, microtransactions will be available at launch, but will have no gameplay items that will be gated through microtransactions. End quote. In other words, everything that could affect gameplay will also be available to purchase through a, inform, or a form rather of in-game currency. Um, so They've been doing microtransactions yeah. forever. Yeah, that's not But new. it's a story. It's a story, and we are a PlayStation podcast. We so are, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't know, PS, I love you. XOXO every Tuesday. Right in com slash PSQ. Number seven. In an earnings call with investors, EA's chief operating officer, Peter Moore, noted that the publisher now anticipates selling 13 million units of Battlefront. We talked about this a little earlier. An up, an upward... What? What? I wrote this, what? so I don't... Oh, up from their original estimate, which placed Battlefront expectations between 9 and 10 million units, which has still been very strong. EA CEO Andrew Wilson also explained, uh, expanded on this notion, stating, according to GameSpot, that, quote, anecdotally... What we have seen is that Star Wars Battlefront is bringing in two groups that are very important groups to us. One are gamers that have laughs 
lapsed. Traditionally, who have been big gamers in the past and maybe haven't played for a while. And Battlefront's beta has certainly been a catalyst for those people to come back into the gaming universe as it relates to console. And two, onboarding a new younger age demographic, end quote. So being very bullish about yeah. Battlefront. Yeah. Which is, if they're right and EA is good at forecasting, um, that's just bad for everything else around it. Which is why I really do think Call of Duty's numbers are going to be comparably soft. Still 15 million. I mean, a lot of million units. You know, a lot. This, doing isn't, very well. this isn't the Battlefield competition that it was for years, right? It was Call of Duty versus Battlefield slamming their heads together, and Call of Duty always won. This is Battlefront. You haven't played this in forever. It's Star Wars. It's Star Wars' year with the new. You know what I mean? Like, everyone fucking loves Star Wars right now. It's going to be very big. I, very I, big. My plan is not to. Like, I mean, we're in a privileged spot of we'll get both games for review, right? Mm-hmm. If that wasn't happening, I'd probably buy Battlefront or, you know what I mean? I'd, I, I want to really? play that. I want, and I, I, I want to surprise me. I want to play it with the expectation of I'm going to put six hours in, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. But it, it looks great and it looks fun. And like, why not unwind every so often with a match here or there? You know what I mean? Why not? Why not? I, Go I, to Hoth. From my experience, I was going to say from my experience in the beta, everyone should play that Hoth map. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Complete fucking chaos, but it's pretty well. Number it's not, eight, it's not canon either. It's not canon. There are yeah. A wings and all sorts of sh- weird shit. Goddamn, interceptors. Abrams, you son of a bitch. Number eight, developer Avalanche Studios has experienced layoffs at both of its offices. The studio, most recently responsible for the Mad Max game, Game of the Century, and the upcoming Just Cause Three, laid off about twenty-four people, affecting both their Stockholm, Sweden, and New York City offices. The studio released the following statement to Game Informer. I thought this was an interesting one. We talked about this on Colin and Greg, so we'll get into this. Quote. The transition between major projects is always challenging, especially for independent developers. We have just completed one project and are currently wrapping up another. So they're talking about Mad Max and Just Cause 3, respectively. In starting up our new projects, we were not able to perfectly match the team sizes and skill sets of the previous ones. And we unfortunately had to let some talented developers go. 12 developers were given notice in New York. There was a similar number of notices given this summer in Stockholm, which never broke, apparently. Mm. But right now, we are in the process of rehiring some of those who left. We expect to keep hiring in the new year. The unfortunate, this is the one that's interesting. This unfortunate event does not affect any of our current projects. And we're talking or taking measures to avoid situations like this in the future. End quote. I thought that was a very honest statement from yeah. Avalanche because Mad Max did well. I don't know if it was profitable. I don't know what their deal is Charted. with WB, but it, it did chart and it did fine as far as I can tell. And it had some, some acclaim. Uh, just cause three coming out at a good time. I think it's going to be fine. And, uh, and, and, uh, I was talking about that with some people that I think it's coming at that December, early December. There's no shame. In releasing it. It, yeah. 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 There's no shame. In no, there's no shame. In, in, in and I just think it's, I don't think it's going to perform. We'll see as well. We'll see. Right. But what I thought it was interesting is that they understand that this isn't a positive way to conduct business. Right. And this it's is too old. common. It's very old. This is too common in the industry where, it must be frightening to work on. I don't want to say a menial game because neither of those games are menial, but you're not working on Uncharted. Like, Naughty Dog doesn't have layoffs, for instance, right? You're, those guys that are working on Uncharted 4 are not going to get laid off. They're not. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to work on The Last of Us 2, whatever they're going to work on next, and they're going to move on. This happens at some studios. The guys that work on the Call of Duty games don't typically get laid off. Like, so if you're working on a big game like that and you're finished, it's probably a pretty, you know, pretty big, big, big relief. But when you're working on, when you're an independent studio working on AAA games, at the behest of publishers that you would make, you know, for instance, they're in bed with WB for Mad Max. They're in bed with Square Enix for Just Cause. It's probably pretty scary to wrap a game up because you don't know if it's When's the, the next end. paycheck coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it's cool for them to acknowledge, even though it's it's business and business isn't personal, even though it always is. You know, as I always say, like it, it, it's not personal, but it is. That they know that this isn't probably the way we should, you know, that you have to you have to make have contingencies to make sure the team's taken care of before you move on to the next. Project. It's, it's one of those where. 
I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I haven't heard about the I I, I haven't heard about this as much. I feel this year because I feel like people finally woke up to how you should do AAA development, even though this is honestly just another. You're painting you're painting the same problem, just a different color of hiring contractors on. But contractors are hired on understanding that hey, in six months when this project's done, I'm off the project and I have to find another job. I still feel that probably the people who are getting laid off here understood that. I still feel like that is so because I've talked to developers on our shows or I think even up at noon and things like that about like I worry about the chilling effect these stories have on people wanting to get into the games industry because it doesn't look viable when in reality it's just how the job goes that you work on this project forever there's a giant ramp where they hire more of your friends then people start getting get laid off or, which is really just released really their contracts not renewed and then they're back out into the workforce to try to find jobs to go animate on to go do right. whatever it's also worth knowing for us to be balanced that Avalanche Studios, according to Wikipedia, employs about 250 people. Yeah. So it's sad when anyone gets laid off, but 24 of 250 is not everyone. Yeah. It might be people lowest on the totem pole, whatever it might be. Just redundancies. Um, but nonetheless, it sucks, and we wish our very best. Of course, to of those course. Directed. Number nine. I'm excited about this one. Developer Red Barrels has officially revealed its new horror game, Outlast 2. Oh. A follow-up to 2013's indie hit, Outlast, which is one of my very favorite games when the PS4 came out. One of those early games that were really fucking good. A trailer exists for the game that you can watch in a statement to IGN. Red Barrel said, quote, no conflict is ever black and white, but once the dust has settled, the victors get to decide who is right and who is wrong, who is good and who is evil. Human nature pushes us to extremes of violence and depravity, which we then justify by divine inspiration and a promise of paradise to come. Horror rises from desperation and blind faith. Outlast 2 will test your faith, pushing players to a place where going mad is the only sane thing to do. We have gone even... we. I'm sorry, we have even more surprises, and I can't wait to tell you all the ways we're going to make Atlas 2 gamers suffer. The horror rises. The horror rises, brother. Um, I'm excited. I like Atlas a lot. I think that I think the the mechanic of battery preservation and using the camera to see and like find and capture things as if you're being a journalist. I yeah. thought was like really clever. You didn't have to play the game like that. You did have to use the camera to see. Sure. But you didn't have to like find things and stuff, but you could and you get trophies that way, but and get more story, but I I really thought that game was fucking awesome. Yeah, I really like that game a lot. I'm glad Red Barrels is succeeding and doing a sequel. Good luck to them. Go 20, get them. 2016, I think fall 2016 is when This is a short one, but this is one I was referring to earlier with Vita. Vita. Number ten, Civilization Revolution Two Plus, which is exclusive to Vita. Yeah, has been revealed and is coming to the handheld on December third. Now the trophies had leaked a while ago. It's interesting to see 2K get on the on the Vita so late. Um, well, we figured they probably were, you know, counting on that Ken Levine Bioshock game that had been teased forever ago. He was so excited about right, it, right. and everything he fell was, apart. He was excited. About it. He was sure I heard development was ninety eight percent done. I know those sons of bitches. Um, this little guy we're excited about. So that's awesome. And apparently, they might be doing an XCOM as well. Um, Where did you hear the XCOM news? So um, that's fucking it. awesome. I didn't hear the XCOM thing. <clears throat> I knew about Civ. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll play it. Why is my internet going so slow? Uh, did you switch is. to the other internet back here? Oh, yeah. So ESRB in September rated XCOM for nice. Vita. Nice. That'd be awesome. Every I was telling them over and over again that that would be a perfect Vita game. So it seems like 2K is getting on. And, and let's, you know, let's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my Vita owners out there. Let's support them. Buy the fucking game. Buy Civilization. You know, it's going to be great. Let's buy it. Let's support them. Let's show these publishers that we really want games on this thing. Even if a lot of people don't have the handheld. It's all in our hands, you know. We, we are there's 11 12 million of us whatever that are really pushing this thing forward and making it viable so let's continue to do that if we can let's do it guys that's it for the news colin yes this civilization game sounds dynamite 
based on the fact that it's a civilization game and it's on the Vita. That's all I need mm-hmm. to know. XCOM sounds better, but I'll wait. Well, Civ, Civ Rev is good stuff. I know, but it's not it's not XCOM good. XCOM's really good, Colin. Well, we'll see. You never played a civilization game in your life, so. I know I played a little bit of that one time when we had to worry about game of the year. And then the what was the the well the, the other Civ Rev. Anyways, if I wanted to know what things were out right now in the mom and grop shops, where do I go? You go to the PlayStation blog. And you know what I'm remembering, by the way? You know what I'm remembering, by the way? That's uh, not where you really go. You go to us. But Your previous life? But I, don't. I think I might have forgotten something insignificant. And I'm wondering when it was posted. So hold on just a minute. Be patient with me for just a second. I'll talk to the group. Hey, guys. It's me again, Greg. Where I've been talking to you for a while. It? Remember, AMAs are Friday, November 6th, 1 p.m., kindoffunny.com slash forums. And Extra Life is this Saturday, November 7th, 8 a.m., to 8 a.m., 24 hours of gaming with us, kindoffunny.com slash extra life. Go there. Donate to us. It's all on twitch.tv slash games. but go there. Donate some money for sick kids. It's really great. And also, if this podcast crashes your iPhone, which it probably would have done by now, update your iOS because Joey Noel says it'll fix it. And if it doesn't fix it, tell Joey Noel because I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, we. I forgot one significant thing, by the way. So we're going back to the, the Roper's Report. Episode 7. The wheels are finally off the bus, everybody. Well, I forgot about this because it was buried underneath some other shit. Anyway, no excuses. Shocker. PlayStation Plus lineup for November. Oh. Number 11. The PlayStation tomorrow? The PlayStation Plus lineup. So by the time you're listening to this, you should be able to get these games for free. Good point. Uh, on PS4, you'll be able to get The Walking Dead Season 2 mm-hmm. for free. You'll be able to get Magicka 2 for free. And you'll be able to get Dragonfin Soup for free. Dragonfin Soup looks like a really cool RPG, and it's also coming out at the same time that it'll be free. Gotcha. If you have a PS3 and you have PlayStation Plus, you'll be able to get Mass Effect 2 for oh, free. Oh, nice. You'll be able to get Beyond Good and Evil HD for free, and you'll be able to get Dragonfin Soup for free when it becomes available for PS3. Gotcha. If you have a Vita, you'll be able to get Dragonfin Soup for free. It's a, it'll be available day what, and day. Okay, and Invisimals for free. Oh, right. Invisimals. Oh, fuck yeah. Which I know you like. Now, tell me more about Dragonfin Soup. What is the art style? What what are, what's going on? Well, where where me, am I? Am I am I in the magical elves age, or am I in modern day Europe, or am I here? Well, I'm gonna or, read it. I'm gonna read you about. It. Please read, it. read about it for me. This yeah. is called an Ash Monif uh, from Grim Brothers, who is the developer. <clears throat> he says Dragonfin Soup is a tactical action RPG with roguelike elements set in a twisted, tongue-in-cheek fairy tale world. Okay. Inspired by those ingredients, the game features a 2D top-down camera and fluid turn-based movement that allows you to set the pace. Dragonfin Soup seamlessly blends genres to create a fresh experience, half story-driven tactical RPG and half high-stakes roguelike, with a pinch of crass humor and a heaping helping of murder and madness set in procedurally generated fantasy worlds. So mm. I played it at PSX last year. It's been in development for a long time. Um, and it's fun. It's exa- it, it, it's reminding some people in the comments of Rainbow Moon. Rainbow Moon. Um, and b- by the way, Rainbow Sky is still in development, still coming, um, which is the sequel. But what's inter- there's interesting stuff about it. I'll read it to you. Please do. Meet Red Robin, a charming, raging, alcoholic bounty hunter who would rather get into a bar fight than deliver baked goods. Players must take up Robin's blades and set out across Asura, a lushly colorful fantasy world that sits on the back of an enormous space turtle, on a journey to discover the secrets of her bloody past. Warning, this, is not, this game is not for the casual player and can be highly addictive. We really went overboard with Dragonfin Soup and threw in everything we found fun. So here's the bullet points. Lay it on Super me. fluid turn-based tactical combat. Raging alcoholic bounty hunter heroine, and I, she, I think you drink and she fights better. Nice. When you drink, I, there's a trophy for that. Traces of dark majesty from the original Grim Tales. New procedurally generated world each time you play. Mercenaries for hire and awesome pets to collect. Over 60 hours of gameplay in story, survival, and labyrinth modes. Gorgeous 2D world, all created by award winning artist Randis Albion. Um, 
So that's what it is. Nice. That sounds cool. Now back to the list of games. Back to the list of games from the now, co-founders of Kind of Funny PlayStation 4, 3, 1. Here's where Ryan Clements fucked up. You fucking Because idiot. he says, he says, um, he did have a note in here somewhere, I think. I want him to give him credit for the note. For his fuck up? Let's the... see. He did say it. I could have sworn he said it. Kind of funny Maybe not. Somewhere along because like, of his travel schedule. Saturday. He, I feel like it may have been removed, or am I just, am I just not seeing it? I could have sworn that. Oh no, you know what? It's it might be in the comments. So let's check that out. Yeah, he says hi everyone. The simplified format for this week is temporary due to my international travel schedule. Thanks for your patience. So he was probably in in Paris, um, but because of this, we do not have funny or interesting write ups for all the games. And this is where you're going to come in, Ryan. You piece of trash, man. Can't you? Just you're going to tell me what these games are about. You got it. Number one is Air Conflict's Pacific Carriers PlayStation 4 Edition. This will be available on PS4 digitally and at retail. Greg, right. what is it? Uh, there are a lost fleet of aircraft carriers in the Pacific Ocean. And your job as Jet Brody Jr. is to fly your plane above them, land on them, give the new coordinates to the captain, and then take off. But various weather conditions make these landings a rough ride. <laughs> Very good. Arcade Archives Iki will be available on PS4 digitally. Iki's the smallest elf in his village of elves. What's he to do when a foot comes in? <laughs> Find out. Barbie and her sister's puppy rescue comes to PlayStation 3 at retail. When Mittens the puppy gets run over, only Barbie and her gr- band of misfit elves can save the day. Call of Duty Black Ops 3 comes to PS4 and PS3 digital and retail. It's out on the 6th. So hey, this Friday guy's race. like a robot or something. And he's going to shoot things. Look at this ugly PS4. Dragonfin Soup is PS4 and Vita, PS3 later, uh, digital only. We just talked about that, so you don't. Drink and kill. Mm-hmm. Drink and kill. Evolve Ultimate Edition. You don't have to talk about this. PS4 and at retail. Indivisible Prototype Beta, PS4 digital. Indivisible Prototype. Roger McAnoy has never been good at long division, <laughs> but when the teacher turns out to be a cyborg, let's just say it takes two to split the atom. <laughs> <laughs> You have to do this one. PS4 and PS3 retail the Jackbox Party Pack. Lords of the Fallen Complete Edition PS4 Lords of the retail. Fallen. Need for Speed comes out out of nowhere. PS4 digital and retail. Like a brand new one? Yeah. Jesus. No, I'm interested in what you think this one is. Norn 9 Var Commons comes to Vita digital and retail. Uh, this is a tap touch memory game like Simon says. Okay. Poncho comes to PS4 digital. Is it raining in your house? Buy Poncho. Shovel Knight's coming to PS4 at retail. Oh, wow. Snoopy's Grand Adventure comes to PS4 digital and retail. When Charlie Brown's killed in a vicious murdering badger <laughs> comes to town, Snoopy's got to figure out how to mortgage the doghouse and murder Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> Tomba 2 uh, the, is the last one. PS1 Classic, digital, English language version. Tomba 2, The Evil Swine Return, which I know a lot of people were actually interested in. Really? Yeah, people were stoked when Tomba finally came to PS1, the original one. I remember that. I just hadn't heard about Tomba 2s. Uh, that's it for the game. That does suck that Clement screwed us over like that. Yeah. He understands, he's, he, even when he's not here, he's ruining the show. Mm-hmm. Just like the old days. Colin, mm-hmm. it's time for topic of the show. Tots, 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 You done checking your phone? Sorry, I'm just getting a lot of texts from a lot of people here. Probably shouldn't bring your phone in. That's true. Good point. <laughs> Thanks, Tom Hawkins. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna give you a walk-in to our topic of the show. Okay. Because it starts... With Umar. Umar wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can and says, hey guys. Hello. No question. Just an observation slash prediction. Kara in that Detroit 
Become Human trailer looks a lot like the actress from the Divergent movies. Second Quantic Dream game in a row to have a celebrity starring? I think so. Well, Umar, we already saw that Kara in the debut trailer for, you know, back in the day when it was just a tech demo, was Valerie Curry from The Following. And it's been confirmed since then that, yes, she is also still Kara. So I don't think that's the Divergent woman who's the star of the Divergent movies. But I didn't go down that rabbit hole. But it's Valerie Curry from TV. We've said that. So that was your appetizer for the real topic of the week. You ready? Tots. This one was submitted on kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, just like you can submit yours. This is Mucho Freegon. Mucho Freegon says, what's going on, Colin, Greg, and the picture issue? Oh, you this and that, you know. The crossover of mainstream actors and video game voice and motion capture is everywhere now. The actress that played Kara in Quantic Dream's demo and now in Detroit Become Human was awesome in the first season of The Following. And then he puts in parentheses. She was in more, but I stopped watching after season one. (laughs) I flipped out when I realized that Tess in The Last of Us... Must have been awesome. (laughs) I flipped out when I realized that Tess in The Last of Us was played by Annie Wershing, who I knew from 24. Ashley Johnson, also from The Last of Us, is now in the TV show Blind Spot. And Growing Pains. And Growing Pains, of course. And And, and, uh, Avengers. And uh, she was in The Avengers? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And she was in, um, more recently... um, Uh, Much Ado About Nothing. That's true. The... The, the fucking crime oh, show. Oh, the killing. Get killing, right. So Ashley Johnson's been in everything. Real quick. Josh. Musho Freegon, who's underselling everybody. Uh, but then he continues. Ashley Johnson's performance in that game made me want to try that show out. And lo and behold, I like the show. Do you think having TV and movie actors in games is a good thing for gaming? Do you think we are going to see the movie industry merge with, the, merge with gaming in new ways rather than movie tie-ins and movies that remake video games? I.e., Guillermo del Toro working with Hideo Kojima. Del Toro. Josh, P.S. I love you. So we're talking about voice actors and actors, movie stars, all these different things, TV shows, and what's actors. going on with it. I like the first part of his question I find interesting. Mm. Do you think having TV and movie actors in games is good is a good thing for gaming? Yeah. I don't think it's I, I think it's a neutral thing for gaming. It's probably good for marketing. Sure. Um but the, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily good or bad. What's interesting for it is that he's bringing up people who I don't wouldn't put into like like for me a, 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 we got a celebrity in our game. No offense, Ashley isn't Ashley Johnson, right? It's Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey is in Call of Duty. Put him in every trailer. Here we go. And that's where I think it's not fishy or weird. It's interesting to see us try to take what's worked in Hollywood that Kevin Spacey alone can carry a picture. So we put him out and put him into a game and make a big deal about it. Right. When we're talking about Valerie Curry from the following, we're talking about Ashley Johnson. We're talking about Annie Wershing from 24. Right. Those are actors who can cross over and go both ways and have probably been doing it for years. Like he didn't even know that. I never knew that Annie was on 24. I never knew Tess was anything but Tess or, you know, in the background there. For me, it's. Int- I think it's. Is it a. Is it a good thing? He says. You know, having TV and movie stars and games. I think it's a good thing to see actors and actresses that can do both competently and amazingly. Right. Like the the worst thing you can ever get, and we've seen it before. Right. And I, and I'm not even throwing this stone like everybody does to the severity some do. Peter Dinklage. Right. That he's in, he's in Destiny. It's this is gonna be such a great thing, and you get it. It's like, oh, like he's a robot. He sounds stiff. Was he in a hurry? And da da da. Like right, like you don't want to bring people in who don't understand it. And when I talk to our our voice actor friends, that's one of the big things they talk about. Right, is that they've seen it go each and every way. Where you have 
voice actors who then get a part or tr- go to audition for a TV show or movie and just stand there and talk and like they don't emote or move. And meanwhile, you bring in people who are theater actors or TV actors and you put them behind the microphone and they're moving, they're hitting it and they don't, you know what I mean? They're trying to emote with their face when they need to emote with their voice, which is a different skill set. So I don't think it's a question of, is it you know good having TV and movie actors crossing over? I think it's good to have actors and actresses that can go in any direction that you can't put in a box like that. You know what I mean? What is Ashley Johnson anymore? You can sit there and be like, well, Growing Pains, Much Ado About Nothing, <laughs> Avengers really briefly, this new Blind Spot show, right? She's a TV movie actress, mm-hmm. right? But then you look over here and well, no, she was Ellie and she's Gordy, Gordis, right? In uh, the Tales from the Borderlands right now. And she was in, in the, she what was the character's name in Infamous Second Son? The one who was the, doesn't matter. She was in it, in not Second Son. Uh, yeah, no, Second Son. Infamous Second Son. She was the r- one who was running around in uh, First Light. Uh, that's what I'm caught up on. She was in First Light as one of the people Laura Bailey was trying to talk to and do oh, stuff. Oh, I don't remember. Anyways, though, but I'm, that's what I want to see more of is these people who aren't in a box. I don't want it to be that Kevin Spacey's coming over and doing one video game and getting out, and that was it. I want to see people. I, I want to see movie star, TV stars. Scott Porter. Scott Porter's a great example, right, of like Scott Porter is from the ground up a fucking video game fan just like you and I. You know what I mean? You And I pointed at the people. You too, Colin. You're, you're a video game fan. Yeah, they're right. He's just like us, and he's from the ground up that, and he got famous for Friday Night Lights, and then he does all these movies, and he does all these different, he's on Heart of Dixie when that was a thing, and da 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 and it was literally just that he was so public about being into video games that eventually somebody's like, well, do you want to be a voice in one of our games? And he freaked out, and now he does a whole bunch of voices in video games, and he's amazing at it, right? Like, that's the kind of trajectory you want. I love that our medium is being taken seriously enough to get that. I just worry about, and I think we're honestly past it. There was a long time, right, where it was, we're going to grab Celebrity X and they're going to be a voice in our game, and they're good or bad. It's not the same thing, right? Well, look at Metal Gear, mm-hmm. right? That was no. a weird one. That was a totally unnecessary one, it seemed yeah. like, too. It seemed like he didn't, like, did, why wasn't David Hayter in this game, like, when it seemed like, um, oh, God, who replaced my game? Keith Sutherland. Keith Sutherland, Sutherland uh, didn't seem to really add any, I like, didn't even really talk in the game anyway, so... Yeah. Um, the Kevin Spacey one was confusing to me. He was great in the game. I thought he was great in Call of Duty. But uh, oh, yeah, I wasn't knocking Kevin Spacey. No, no, no. And no, no, no. I know you're not. Out. But I am knocking the decision to put him in there because it's like, why? Yeah. Like, why? You're. You don't need. You don't. Need, Call of Duty doesn't need Kevin Spacey. You're gonna be fine without Kevin Spacey. Maybe it shows like that they care about the fidelity of the story, and I appreciate that. Also, Activision has the money to pay Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey's not gonna walk into a fucking VO booth for you know if it's not mm-hmm. worth his time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a major actor. Um, so. I think that's where you find the middle ground with the Ashley Johnsons and the Scott Porters and all these kinds of things where it's like these are competent, talented actors that are not Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Keith or Sutherland, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, But it's, I don't, it's... Like with Kiefer Sutherland, it's like... I, I was just so confused, but I felt bad for David Hayter with that. But the, of course. Jesus. But um, I don't know like why that happened. But... Yeah, I, I think... Is, is it good for these, these worlds to cross over? Sure, because there are talents, as you recommended, that can be cross-pollinated between these different disciplines that I think it heightens all of the art because I'm sure that um, when Emily Rose um, and I'm not even being facetious like I was thinking about the timeline like Emily Rose did Uncharted then she did Jericho right yeah. and and it's like did she learn something from Uncharted to like make her a better actress and then did she take something back from Jericho that when she went to the booth for Uncharted 2 or Uncharted 3 she was better and then she brings that to another project and vice versa you know, yeah. yeah and, and yeah so it's I think that that can only be positive. Like if you can only know more and you can be a better artist or you can be a better performer, right. then what's wrong with it? I don't know that it's necessary. Peter Dinklage is a great example. Peter Dinklage was like, in my experience, Destiny was awful, you know? And yeah. and we've talked about it in the past, like 
I usually don't even think too deeply about voice acting. It's just there and it's good or it's bad. The performances are great. I mean, it's important, but I've never once stopped a game and been like, this is bad. Not in a long time. I mean, back in the PS1 era and PS2 oh, era, sure, it was sure, much sure. more common, but the last five, ten years, not, you not chilled, been like the that. You master of unlocking. So, I mean, that was a joke back in the day. Mega Man 8 is another great example of that, but... but <laughs> we got one take. Go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like it's like one take, 20 minutes in the booth. Um, but with, with this kind of stuff, like you have your pick of the litter, so you should choose yeah. your pick of the litter. You know, and I think that that's only good for games. I think that's good for Hollywood. Do they, are they going to merge? No, they're not going to merge. I think Hollywood's going to wish that it could merge with games in 20 years when they're fucking dying, but... Um, and, that, and that's you know, yeah, that's the other interesting wrinkle, and you've seen it a lot with all the stuff going on with uh, SAG AFTRA, right? Of like them trying to get these contracts and mm-hmm. these disputes, and one of them is likenesses, right? Of the fact that movies and stuff you're so used to, oh, that, that's a Denzel Washington movie. I'm, I like him. I'll go see it or do something along those lines. But it was, you're a huge uh, Denzel Washington. Fan. I am. I do like him a lot. Not me too. Um, there was. I'm pretty sure it's the same one, the Advanced Warfare one with Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. where they use Troy Baker and they yeah, and it looks like and him. like you're watching Monday Night Football and Troy Baker's walking at you on the screen. You're like, oh shit! Like, is I'm interested to see if that's gonna start. If what we talk about, you know actors coming into our realm or whatever or and then we have uh, people who are already in our realm then going out to do other things i want to see if it would be ever going to happen where somebody comes and grabs troy or grabs laura bailey or grabs travis willingham and puts them into a movie or tv show and promotes them that way you know what i mean not like in the same way we would say it's kevin spacey from house of cards he's in advanced warfare is it going to be that tonight on abc sitcom whatever it's troy baker from last of us kind of thing yeah no yeah when did those crossovers start happening that'd be interesting um yeah so i don't know it's it's an it's an interesting thought that he brings up i i i uh i think it can only be positive to it, it's like when a musician i brought this up in the past on game over Gregory show like i'm a musician and um you actually say you're a writer all the time you can't be everything well i'm also a writer are you an but, athlete uh, i was i don't know if i'd call myself one anymore Although I showed you some fucking cat-like reflexes today in the kitchen. Yeah, when you almost <laughs> you're moving your egg your egg McMuffins around up there, you knocked them everything off. But you I caught, caught it. it. You caught it. You caught what you knocked over. I was there. Um, but uh, Kevin would have just let it fall through the floor. Well, Kevin's too slow. That's the problem with Kevin. Uh, Spryer than not, he looks. Spryer than he looks. Let's not try to narrow it down to one problem with Kevin. Yeah, that's right? true. That's a good point. Pros and cons. Um, but uh, with music, I was I was then bringing up the point of like. You often hear about um, musicians that are very talented that are in bands that make millions of dollars that ha- that tour that are comfortable financially that are comfortable in their style of music. I bring up Three Eleven because they're a, one of my favorite bands. Where they're my favorite band of all time. Where they take their music very seriously and they and and the music they're playing is good and I, I like it a lot. But they know that they they there's much to learn outside of alt rock or rap rock or yeah. metal or whatever. And they often talk about how they take lessons. Still, they've been playing together for thirty years. Almost, you know, yeah, but they still take lessons. Yeah, you know, and and and, you know, you hear about their bassist, like often saying, like, I learned, you know, he's a very competent slap bassist, plays a five string bass and knows what he's doing, but still goes to a lesson once or twice a week and learns how to play something else. That's awesome. And and that's, I think, how you have to look at the craft when you're a musician, when you're an artist, when you're a performer, when you're a writer. Um. I think that's only positive for the creation of art and just enhances it. It enhances 311's music. It enhances the games and the the, the movies that these guys cross pollinated. And it, you know, me re- me reading as much as I do voraciously as I do heightens my writing. I think so. It's all interconnected. It's, all it's a web. Yeah. It's all pipes. It's all pipes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to check in with you. Remember, you need to be part of the show. This is the segment we call Reader Mail. Maelstrom. Mail call. Mailman, and I'm talking about. 
Carl Malone. Oh, Carl Malone. Yeah. We'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> Big time mailman, Carl Malone. I love it. Our first question comes from Sean One Nia, who wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, just like you can. You're welcome, David Jaffe. He says, hi, guys. After your Hello. talk on Uncharted 4, Amy Hennig, and Friends Departure, Departing, a theory hit me. What if Naughty Dog plans to do a Metal Gear Solid 2 on us, where we only play as Nathan Drake for the first chapter and then play the rest of the game as his brother? This theory could explain why Amy and friends decided to leave the company and could also explain the Nathan Drake collection. How would you feel if this was the case? Thanks, guys. Sean. Then he puts in parentheses, UK. Oi! No way. No way. Not possible. Uh, now, I would have said that about Metal Gear back in when, before Metal Gear Solid 2 came out. Sure. And we didn't know anything about Raiden. I would have said that that wouldn't have been possible there too and yet they did it and it worked and that's still i think the best metal gear game the one of the ones i played um they can't do that to drake i i don't i just can't I'm imagine the final it. one like they keep making it sound like this is either he's gonna die or we're just putting a bow in his story right. but like that's the big thing i was talking about too that this is his story you know that this yep. is like maybe uncharted could go on with somebody else but this is right now nate nate drake's story you don't want to screw that up here you don't want to do that i and i don't think that would be enough to drive people away i don't think it would be that Amy leaves, Neil and Bruce come in. That's their idea. idea. And he's talking about, especially with the uh, Alan, uh, Alan, what's his name? Trudick or whatever. Yeah, Alan, Fr- yeah, that guy who's uh, in Con Man right now with Nolan North and Todd Stashwick and also was on Firefly. Last week we talked about him saying like... Or Tudick or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds sounds better. That he, you know, they abandoned Nolan, right? They, right? Because they were making interesting decisions. I doubt this is the interesting decision. I doubt he's like... I think they just rewrote the story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they need Nolan. They probably don't, you know, they can write out of the characters or have a different vision for them. I don't think that they would do that. I think that would be a huge mistake for them to do that. And I, I don't think that that's in the cards for Uncharted, but we'll see. NWA for life wrote in to kind of funny.com slash PSQ. Just like you can. It says number one, do you think insomniac regrets their decision to leave PlayStation gamers out in the cold with sunset overdrive and leaving millions of systems where their game can't be played? Number two, do you see them returning with a PlayStation exclusive anytime soon? Well, they are. Thanks, guys. They're hard work. They're making ratchet right now. Your patrons are like my Netflix subscription. Thank you. I could never see me canceling it. Thank you. P.S. I love you. Thank you. R1. Okay, that's enough. R2. Uh, Number two, they are working on a PlayStation 4 game right now. Um, It's called Ratchet and Clank. Yep. Rebooted and suited. Um, And they're putting a lot of effort into that game. Uh, To answer the first one, uh, I don't think Sunset Overdrive would have happened if not for Microsoft. So um, you have to there's a few things you have to remember. Insomniac worked with PlayStation exclusively for a very, very long time, but they were never owned by them. And they were always approached by other studios and publishers, you have to assume, to work with them, and they just didn't have the time or the inclination to do it. I think what they saw with Resistance was, and with Ratchet, was diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And I think they looked around and they were like, this is a, I don't want to say a dead end because it's not. I mean, they're back, but we have to do more than work with one publisher. We have to diversify. And so before Resistance 3 even came out, when Resistance 3 was in development, they made a deal with EA and they made uh, Overstrike, which was renamed Fuse and it was not very good apparently. Yeah. Um, they they kind of focus tested it to death and it was not, I don't think, what they wanted it to be um, or what it was intended to be. Right. I'll never forget the Fuse box art. It's like the worst box art ever. Go look no at heads. It. It's like the worst. I have no idea what the fuck they were thinking with that. And then think about the, like, the art from Overstrike and how insomniac it was. Yeah. But they've always been trying to do different things and uh, in the last few years. So I think getting into bed with Microsoft was a major win for Microsoft. Um, I'm sure that that was every intent was to hurt Sony by getting one of the people that they could get. They could get they, Microsoft can't get Naughty Dog. They own Sony owns them. They can't get Sony Santa Monica. They can't get Polyphony. They can get Insomniac. That was about as close to the Sony family as you can get. Yeah. 
And I'm and what, sure. And with what you're saying, that kind of thing, that kind of blow, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, I'm sure they got paid well. Yeah, that, sure, and that's you know exactly I mean? right. Insomniac, I don't think just was like, oh, we want to make a game with Microsoft. I think that the money was given to them, and they're like, okay, yeah. like this is important to you, and and we have this idea for a game, and here it is, and and it's the guys that did Resistance, so it's their, you know, I would say that you know top quality talent that you yeah. know Drew and Drew and, and Marcus. So. Um, I don't think they have any regrets because my assumption is knowing Ted Price and knowing how smart he is and Marcus, Marcus deliver me the chimera. Um, knowing how smart he is and how that studio has run independently for over 20 years without any financial issues with very few layoff issues. He's not a stupid man. No. And he's actually, when you really look around, probably the smartest man in any room he's in. And I've talked to, I've talked to Ted Price many times and had, and had great conversations with him. And he has an astute understanding of business, and uh, the money they got for Sun- for Sunset Overdrive was probably well worth the quote unquote betrayal of the of the of the exactly. fans. And you'll be back, exactly. And they'll be back, and that's the beauty of being independent. It's one of those things. Do they have regrets? I doubt it, and I, I think it's part of it that every developer I've ever spoken to, and I've asked the question, not because I don't ask this question of every developer I've talked to, but if I'm talking to a developer, the number of people who have made exclusive games who are always like, oh yeah, it did great. Would have loved to have put it out on everything though is that 100%. Everyone says that because they want everyone to play their game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It does suck windowing off content and stuff like that, but that's the nature of the business, business and they get it and that's you know how they're able to survive and make the game period. Yeah, and I, I don't think Sunset Overdrive would have necessarily been made by someone else. I'd I just think Microsoft is excited to have something zany and off the wall from the studio that is known for doing zany and off the wall shit. There's no telling whether that game was pitched to Sony and they turned it down. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the I don't know the the, the story behind it. All I know is that um that Microsoft made that game possible and that's all we know. Yeah. So for Insomniac fans, we should be kind of thankful. Okay. Tavo Sanzal wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can. It says, hey guys. Hello. I went to the mall with my wife and she, parentheses, who is not an avid gamer like I am, and parentheses, had the idea to pick up a game that we could both play together. After spending two hours between Target and GameStop, we had really two choices. A Lego game or Call of Duty. She hates FPS games because they are too twitchy for her and have we've done the Lego games too many times for it to be appealing. My question is, are the days of good co-op games really dead? I know that co-op is now a second thought on games, but I am just realizing how bad the market is for co-op games. It is sad that there is nothing I can buy now that me and the wife can play together. P.S. Quote from my wife after this failed mission. I wish Mario games were on PS4. Thank you, Gustavo. XOXO. Yeah, we all do. Um, <laughs> maybe we're not too far away from that reality. There. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think either of those are great choices if you're sick of Lego games and you don't like first-person shooters. I mean, that's probably too bad directions to go in but that said i can't think of many like couch co-op games and thing, I, that's i'm not a couch co-op guy i don't want to play those here's people. the thing is i like playing couch co-op with christine stuff so there's games we've played the, the thing about it is i think he's looking the wrong what direction. couch co-op games have you played with that's, Christine? well that and now immediately i jumped to mind with the uh, xbox stuff so i'm not even gonna go down that road but what i'm saying is i think he's looking the wrong spot i think the days of triple a on the shelf co-op games yeah that's not happening but they don't sell psn's got plenty indie stuff's got plenty indie yeah, games can, have modes that you can jump in and play stuff yeah, exactly. Now, is that competitive? Does that count? Is that the problem? Oh, so they want to be like just it's purely co-op. Co-op is co-op. And here, did, did the Pixel Junk shooters, did they ever come out in a collection? I thought I want to say they did, that they came out in a PS4 collection, but I could be wrong. No, I don't think they did. Damn. The shooter... Didn't they put out some kind of... Shooter Ultimate 2 has co-op, I think? No, I thought they both did. They're from the get-go. Yeah, I don't remember. 
All the Pixel Junk games kind of run together, to be honest. They've released a couple of Pixel Junk games, I think, on PS4. Just one of them, actually. I think. I actually think Shooter 2 is the only one. Is it Shooter? Pixel Junk Shooter, yeah. The spaceships is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're saving the astronauts and stuff. Right. Um, That's out. I mean, I platinumed it. But, yeah, I know. I'm not saying they're new. I'm saying, I was asking, are they on, uh, did they put out a collection on PS4? There's no collection of games, no. Okay. There's definitely not a collection of games. I would know that. Because I like those games. Pixel Jump 4AM, you're not excited to play that one again? (laughs) <laughs> no, that, I, that, hit, that pixel junk hit. I'm trying to think in my mind of like ooh, couch co-op, Castle Crashers. If you if you want to break out your PS3, that's a great one. Okay, yeah, that is a great one. So here's so here's what is I'm that, saying. Is that only online? You though? and I are miscommunicating. I think I think we're misfiring. So what I've been trying to say is that Pixel Junk Shooter, the just that, and the two games that come in Pixel Junk Shooter Ultimate. Oh, are there? It's Pixel Junk. Are, one, yeah, that's they one are on PlayStation Four. Right. that's the collection. I don't mean Pixel Junk. Every Pixel Junk game. Oh, okay. So Pixel Junk Shooter Ultimate, Ultimate is, one is a great is a great co op game for you to play together. That'd be something to go get and yeah, stuff. That's a great game. Yeah. I, I enjoy. I played it on Vita, but you can play it on PS4 if you want to be a scrub. Uh, <laughs> you want to be a fucking Johnny Come Lately? <laughs> I think it's harder to find a good co op game. I I do think oh, that's definitely. I think it's definitely that, harder. But I mean, also some of them are just like phoned in in a way. I feel like in terms of old school when you're playing co op games, you just add another character and you change the sprite and that's it. And like. Is that good enough for some people now? What's the one we uh, liked? Chariot. Chariot. That's enough. That is a great example. That's a really good co-op game. That's new. That's fun. Great art style. Uh, get your dad's dead casket and dead body over there. Uh, but what was the other one I'm thinking of? Mercenary Kings. That, oh, Mercenary that, Kings that, is that great. That's right, a great right, game. Right, right. Is, that, is, that, is that local though? I thought so. Is it not? I, I don't know. I didn't play it. I mean, I must have when I reviewed it, but I don't really remember. Let's see what a Google search is. PS4. I know you played games. on the line with other people. Anyway, I think I think your best. This is, bet- this is, this is very. We we know plenty about PlayStation. This is very indicative of the problem he's talking about. Imagine the normal person. I mean, the 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 problem going to get retail co-op games is that they just don't really exist. I oh mean, yeah. All right, we're I I left off a whole bunch of great ones here. Diablo is a great one. I fucking love Diablo. Get that for sure. That's local. Yep. Okay. Hell Divers. Hell Divers is local. That's a great one. Dead Nation. Dead Nation is local, and that's a great one. Rayman Legends. Nah. Uh, Plants for great game. Zombies. But- Garden Warfare. First person shooter. We're not Twitch based. Mm. That's not a first-person shooter. It's a third-person, is it? You are correct. I'm sorry. It's a shooter, but it's not Twitch-based. Is it first-person? No, know. it's not. You can. No, it can't be. You see your dumb fucking yeah, yeah. little character running around. I think you're. I think it might be third person. I don't know. Hell Divers, though. Get Hell. Oh, Hell Divers is fucking awesome. That's a hard-ass game, though. Mm. So there's some else good ones. That's good enough. That's good enough. Plenty of plenty of things to select from. Borderland. Oh, she doesn't like Twitch shooters. No, but she was gonna play Call of Duty. You, okay. But she doesn't like shooters. Well, fuck her. She can play Borderlands. Borderlands is fun. Everybody likes Borderlands. Don't you like things that are fun? All right. We gave you something. Not really. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> Colin, it's your time to pick. Okay. Your choices are collect all the console boxes. The best and worst games for your birthday. F- Dying Lights DLC in the Fallout spinoff. The Fallout spinoff. Curtis Dillon 92 wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can. It says, Fallout New Vegas. Hey, Colin, Greg. The sex, I mean, coolest dudes in gaming. I've been wondering lately whether or not we'll see another Fallout spinoff akin to New Vegas by Obsidian. Based on some light reading, it seems that Obsidian would love to do that, but that the development of New Vegas may not have been smooth. Anyway, if, Obsi- if Obsidian or another developer were to do a spinoff, where would you like it to be? Maybe somewhere outside the U.S.? Thanks. Keep up the good work. Curtis Dillon. Um, I wouldn't want it to be outside of the U.S. because Fallout is about the United States. So the only other place outside of the United States that I'd want to see Fallout is in China um, mm. because that's the other side of the war. Sure. 
Uh, otherwise, I'm not really interested in seeing anyone else's story. It's not like The Walking Dead where I'm like, I really just want to see like what happened in, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, fucking Turkey or something. Um, although in Turkey, we get dying late. Uh, so I'm of two minds with this. I think that I'm sure Obsidian would love to do that because yeah. it's the engine's done and they can. It, it's pretty remarkable that they made New Vegas in like two years. Um, but the assets are there and, and, you know, New Vegas is a great game. I love New Vegas. I think it's a fantastic game. I think it's better than Fallout 3. Um, but I wonder if Bethesda is treating its IP with more care now. And what I, I mean by are. that, the same way Rockstar has done it with Grand Theft Auto. After Grand Theft Auto 3, there were two very quick spinoffs in Vice City and San Andreas that did very well and they were fun. Vice City, I think, is maybe the best Grand Theft Auto game in my mind still. Um, but then when four came out, they did uh, the Ballad of Gay Tony and the Lost in the Damned as DLC, but they left it alone and they didn't do another one on that engine. And then they did um, Grand Theft Auto five and then haven't announced any single player DLC at all or any Just indication online, that they're yeah. going to do anything else. And that game came out over two years ago. Yeah. Um, and that I think builds hype and, uh, and, and builds everything to a crescendo where when Grand Theft Auto six comes out, you don't feel like you got something two years ago in Grand Theft Auto five colon New York City or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and I wonder if Bethesda is going to treat it the same way because Fallout 4 is going to be very, very popular, more popular than Fallout 3 was yep. when it came out. And I wonder if they don't need to go down to that that well again and be like, this is the game and and Fallout 4 is Fallout 4 and there will not be a spinoff because the next Fallout game you'll play is Fallout 5 when we get there. Um, but they leave money on the table. So it's like, I, I don't know the calculus, like when Pete Hines and those guys are, and, and those gals are sitting around a table and trying to figure it out. It's like, do we make more money ultimately with the Rockstar model, which clearly worked for them? Yeah. They might have left even more money on the table, but the gratuitous amount of money they made means that it doesn't matter. That game became profitable on the first day. I mean, that's incredible, considering that game cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make, not to mention the fucking hundreds of millions of dollars they must have spent on marketing. They made all of their money back in a day. Yeah. So they're like, fuck it. Like, we don't care. Or is the thing like, all right, Fallout 4 is going to be a, a pretty good success, 10, 15 million units. Fallout 5 is not going to happen until 20. I mean, if, if we're following the same amount of time between games... It's going to be 2022 Jesus. before we get another Bethesda. That's crazy to think game. about, right? So are they like, it's too much time? New Vegas, would it have been more, ma- would we be as excited for Fallout 3 if we didn't get New Vegas? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I, I just don't know. You see what it's, I'm saying? It's very no, complicated. I totally it's agree. very complicated. I think it is complicated, but I think I think they'll, st- I think they will not do a spinoff. I think that they are going, they, this established them, and I think the sales they're going to see are going to establish them as a top tier franchise you know what i mean they even they were merchandising this thing before most people were merchandising their games i felt you know what i mean i've seen fallout stuff forever and i want to buy it all still i think this will establish them the sales they will see that this establishes them as a thing that needs to be there i think they'll start putting their guys to work in terms of getting to another one before 2022 or whatever but the thing is like think about the way they had their first e3 conference you know what i mean of just like here are all these games right they have multiple spokes on the wheel now it's not just one thing right so they don't have to deliver a fallout spinoff to make the money because they have all these other games that are making the money as they go you know what i mean yeah, there's I mean, other things going they have big ones i mean doom it's coming back, and I can't fuck. I can't fucking wait yeah. for Doom. Wolfenstein's up on Wolfenstein's a big coming back for sure. Yeah, um, Elder Scrolls eventually. Elder Scrolls will come back, and that might be the next game they go and do. Um, and then, and that's and, that, and that, by the way, we've read between the lines with Elder Scrolls. Like no one's done an Elder Scrolls spinoff. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Obsidian or Obsidian. Well, do you Oblivion. count? Don't count the MMO. No, I, I mean that's, just putting it out there in terms of Western role playing games. I hear you. Oblivion, Skyrim, both made internally. 
buttressed by Fallout 3 in the middle and then Fallout 4, and so maybe they go back to Elder Scrolls. Um, depending, I, I, they have to look at the numbers and see how everything shakes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have Dishonor, they have Doom, they have Wolfenstein. I mean, they have they have plenty of shit. And Zenimax is their parent company, and I'm sure that they are hungry. But they have something very. I think you're right. They have something very special at Bethesda. The Evil Within is probably going to get a sequel. So I mean, they have this very vibrant ecosystem. This wasn't the way it always was because remember back in the day they released games, and they weren't necessarily bad games, but like Hunted and Wet, yeah, and, Wet, and um, that splash damage game uh, Brink. Yeah. Like these games that it's like this isn't really this is Bethesda being a publisher. This isn't Bethesda being like a thoughtful developer. Innovator. And and I hate to tell you, the common theme between all of the games you mentioned is that they are all internal games. It doesn't seem like they're working on yeah, much, much outside with second yeah. party anymore. You know, Machine Games is a is a Bethesda owned studio. Id was purchased by Bethesda. Arcane is purchased by Bethesda. Um so you have um, obviously, Bethesda Game Studios is the namesake of the and their their core studio that makes Fallout and Elder Scrolls. So they have this very vibrant. They're becoming. They're not even becoming Activision. They're becoming Ubisoft, and that's and but Ubisoft with way more restraint, way more restraint than you because if Ubisoft owned Fallout, we get a Fallout game every year, and that might be like something we maybe would think we would want, but we don't. We don't want that. I'm telling you, you don't want that. You don't want Fallout every year. You don't want Fallout every other year. You don't want Fallout every three years. You don't. You know, it's going to make, it's going to ruin what's special about it. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto 5 was special because we didn't see anything from Grand Theft Auto from 2009 to 2013. That's why it was special. Um, and New Vegas was special as a one-off and I love it. But if we got Fallout New Vegas in 2010 and then Fallout Phoenix in 2012, would this be as special? I don't think so. So they, I think that they're just managing expectations and they're managing their portfolio and they're managing their studios. They're letting they're gonna do the things that it'll grow. Yeah, they'll they, like it would be easy. It would have, you know, they're going to have to be patient for machine games to make a new Wolfenstein game. And they could have just said, take the engine. They could have found some fucking studio, but I like, take the engine and make another Wolfenstein game. And these guys will make the next core one, but you can make another one. They're not doing that. And I think that that's smart. I, I think the Bethesda is becoming cognizant of its status as top tier yep i think they're embracing that legacy not in terms of being a publisher because they're not pushing the units that activision or ea or ub are publishing or pushing but they are becoming better than them in terms of quality Mm -hmm. quality Mm -hmm. when bethesda's stamped its name on something it's good typically yeah so that's my answer to that very long-winded but that's the answer Colin, you got to break somebody's heart. You ready? Mm-hmm. Jwink33 says on kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. Hey, guys. Hello. With Fallout 4 upon us and Bethesda giving no whisper of the main Elder Scrolls series at any conference this year, is it inevitable that we will see it announced Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls 6 at E3 2016? Not a prayer. Thanks and keep up the great work, Jay. No way. No fucking way. Are you kidding, Jay? Not No. Not I possible. Even, I don't even think Bethesda will be it either. Uh, great point. Year. Great point. Um, not they'll have a they'll, they'll have, have a booth. booth. They won't have a. They're conference. not gonna have a conference. The conference was a perfect storm thing, and I think that 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 all the stars aligned for them. I don't think there's a need for them to do that again. I don't suspect that we'll hear anything from Elder Scrolls until well after Fallout 4's DLC is done, mm-hmm. because you have mm-hmm. to assume that it's the same studio. Now, do they have a small team working on Elder Scrolls Six? Probably, or something else. Probably. Yeah, they're big and they're profitable, but. That's got to be an all hands on deck kind of game. And when you're making an open world RPG like that, I mean, that's got to be pretty daunting. I assume what they're working on right now is the DLC. And I assume that they're going to support the game for DLC for a year. Awesome. So I don't think you're going to. Awesome. So I don't think you're. I mean, we got five pieces of Fallout 3 DLC, three of which were awesome. 
Operation Anchorage was, you know, kind of a throwaway. Um, and I, and Mothership Zeta was kind of boring. But like, what I'm really excited about is what they're going to do, like Point Lookout style. Yeah, totally new map. Yep. Because um, Point Lookout's probably my favorite piece of DLC for any game ever. Um, so yeah, patience, my friend, patience. Unless what I'm saying about Bethesda is totally wrong and someone else is working on Elder Scrolls, but I can't imagine that that's the case. Okay. This engine will probably be the basis for Elder Scrolls 6. Good point. Epi writes in kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, Hey guys, hello. I just read the news that Gravity Rush, Gravity Rush HD is officially announced for North America, but it is digital only. What do you guys think about this? I'm really into collecting physical content and I would love a physical release. Any way we can spread the word? Maybe tweet at the PlayStation account or shoe? I... Would love your help to get the word out, Ryan. P.S. I love you, XOXO. No, I think you have to be thankful this game's coming at all. I, I, it's a small miracle that Gravity Rush Two is even happening. That's the big part. So, the grand so the fact just like Gravity Rush One, but whatever it does. So the fact that this game is they're re-releasing re, re this game in any format to give you context, you should be thankful and you should have played it on Vita. You know where you can get a physical copy of, of Gravity Rush? Vita. Vita. Yeah, exactly. But no, like I don't. I, that's the whole thing. Is like, just thank God they're putting it out. You know yeah. what I mean? If you want to play that game, I, I I understand that like you and I are in the minority. It seems that we don't want. I don't think so. I really we don't. only want digital. I really. Don't Every time we that. say that, people always say they want collection. Well, people say a lot of things. I think that. I think that. Uh, it's just. It's just obvious. I mean, this is the way it's going. I, I appreciate and respect that people want things on their shelves, but. You have got to get over it. You know, like eventually I'm telling you that this mentality is holding us back and it's holding us back from cheaper games. Yeah, you I don't understand what people don't understand about that. If we just let it go and let these fucking stores go down, games would be cheaper. There would be no fucking middlemen anymore. Yeah, it's over. And, and then they would have no excuse of charging $60 for a game. I'm telling you, AAA games would be 50, 45, 40 without having to worry about all this bullshit. Yeah. And it's just a fact. But we want to hold on to it to have this little box on your shelf. Yeah, I mean, more power to you, but but people complain about games being expensive. They're not. Now, uh, but $60 games are just plain not expensive. They're not. But historic, historically speaking, sure, sure, the games have never been cheaper than they are right now. Never, ever, ever. But we were paying $50 for retail games in 2001 on PS2. We were paying 70 or 80 or 90 or $100 depending on the game on Genesis and Super Nintendo in the 90s. So... You have no context to people out there that still say that games are expensive. He's not saying that, but I'm saying that's that's a common theme about, you know, getting your bang for your buck and all that kind of stuff. But man, games can go back down in price if we just removed all this, all these barriers, you know? Yeah. Similar question here, but a little bit different. Baldy McBrucer writes into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can. It says, since beginning my gaming hobby, I've taken great pains to collect all console boxes, including interior cardboard and plastic, manuals, and accessories. I used to do this for the resale value on eBay, but have recently discarded my cardboard box collection as it was counterintuitive to my minimalist lifestyle. Do you keep all of your PlayStation packaging, or do you recycle responsibly? Happy to have you back, Baldy McBruiser. I do neither. I throw them in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> especially the styrofoam. Oh yeah, you gotta um, get, get that out of there. No, sure. so I am I am not a hoarder by any stretch of the imagination. Greg is. Uh, I'm not though. That's the thing. You just have nothing that you own. No, if I, I moved out tomorrow, you have a kitchen table out there, and that's it. <laughs> that'd be great. And I, I have a recliner. Oh, the recliner. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but I actually do keep the boxes of every one of my pieces of hardware. Yeah. So I have my old Nintendo stuff like yeah. all the way through my ps1 ps2 i have all those boxes too. for a long time i kept my boxes I and mean, i think it was when i we were I, there might be a ps2 blue box kicking around in my dad's attic that i wanted really badly you know what i mean because that meant so much to me that it was my first one but like 
I got over that real quick, thank goodness. You know what I mean? Too sweet. Yeah, I had to get out of that. And so like, I love that box. And one day maybe if I have a nice house, then I can put things up. Like we keep, I keep the 20th anniversary PlayStation box, right? But that's just because this is like a, this is like a package deal. Mm-hmm. Of like this amazing thing and amazing packaging. But uh, yeah, no, I try to dump all that stuff as soon as I can. Like, and that's what people always got so mad at me about in the unboxing videos at IGN. Is that I would tear the boxes up. up. I'm like, why would anyone, why would you keep this? Yeah, you know I respect, I, mean? I respect the people's sensibilities. Like the, there's a few things that I, I but, wish I kept some of my packaging for my old toys and stuff like that sure. that I didn't keep. Used to cut, on card. Used to cut. I used to cut off, cut out the file cards of my GI Joes. I wish I just kept the whole card. Yeah. Um. I started doing that with my my Star Wars figures when I was older. But yeah, there's something sen- there's something sentimental about doing yeah. it. I agree. Um. But I also just like having these boxes. Like and and I like you. I'd like to be able to display my whole history of consoles, which I could from NES all the way through to today because I kept all those boxes. The one thing that I wish I kept when I was younger that I didn't keep were the boxes that these SNES, NES and SNES games came in. I would mm. keep the sleeve, but I would throw the boxes away, and I was like, oh. Yeah, that was me with the when I, you know, this N64 was my first N- Nintendo console going that I was like in on. I bought it. I bought SNES late, but only for Super Mario mm. World from Funko Land. It was all disgusting and gross looking. Uh, but I, my friends came over. I'll never forget it, the first like week I had it, maybe even after a month of having it. And they were like, did you just get all these games? Because I had all my games still in the boxes. And I, every time we wanted to play them, I'd bring them out and pop out the cartridge and put them in. Like, this is not how people treat Nintendo games. Like, this is not, you're like, no, you're a Sega kid. This isn't how it is. Well, that was a genius of Genesis. And there's not many things that are genius about Genesis. But the one, one of the things was the game, like, that was the first really, well, Master System did it too, was game cases were the case. Like, you bought the game in the case and you kept it in the case. Yeah. Like, we, NES's thing of, like, sleeves and Super Nintendo's thing of, like, the little plastic clear sleeves that yeah. were, like, maybe an inch high. Um, was uh, you know, something, but it was not a, an effective way to uh, store a game. Sure. While I remember, you know, the Genesis collections that my friends had were very neat and organized, and and not so for the cartridges you had displaced everywhere. Then sixty four was the same fucking thing. Yeah. Um, that wasn't really until GameCube that Nintendo had a coherent way to store your games, and it wasn't until DS on the handheld side. I mean, even GBA had fucking boxes and these little cases and. You know, they were on to something with the Game Boy, old OG Game Boy games with the, the plastic cases. But yep. um, I, I appreciate it from over. a storage sensibility, you know, point of view. You know, think about your PS1 collection of just CDs, you know, yeah. that were just nicely lined and the PS2s were just DVD cases. So I, li- I like that kind of stuff. And yeah, me too. Yeah, you keep your boxes. Yeah, it's important to keep, you know, keep what you want. I mean, do what you exactly. want. Exactly. You keep can collapse you them and stuff like that. I remember, you know, you can collapse them. You can. If you get rid of the innards. He doesn't do that, or he didn't. Now he throws throw the styrofoam in the ocean. Uh, time for don't a new, throw the styrofoam in the ocean. Don't a newish segment. I don't know. When should we stop calling segments new? It's episode seven. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, it's somewhat new. We'll make it to episode ten. Then we'll stop. This week's forgotten PlayStation game. It falls to me, Colin, to give you one, and this is one that's not forgotten entirely, but was forgotten how much fun it was. I mm. felt like we did a little trip last week. Went down to San Diego, mm. Sony San Diego. Mm. Went there, dynamite people. Let us do a, a live stream, Colin and Greg live from their office then with David Jaffe, with Christian Phillips, with uh, Jeremy from Guns Up. Had a ball of a time. Then we stopped. Then we did a Kill Strain live stream with them. All fantastic people. 12 kind of funny fans got to come see it. Uh, if you want to see that Colin and Greg live, it's of course still on the Twitch archive or up for patrons over at patreon.com slash kind of funny games. But we're walking around. I'm wearing my San Diego shirt too. Mm. We're walking around having a good time and I walked by the wall that had the Mod Nation Racers uh, light up logo on it that I hadn't seen forever. It's huge. I've never seen this logo lit up like this or whatever. And I saw, I talked to Christian Phillips about Mod Nation Racers when we were, had a bunch of the kids with us and stuff and just like, that's the one I'm picking. Mod Nation Racers PS3. Of what a great fucking game that was. Load times are too long. Yeah, ha ha ha. But like, 
the ability that you had to customize, the characters you create, the carts you could create, the tracks you could create, how much fun it was to race. That was the thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a kart racing fiend, and, like, I just thought it was a ball to play. You know what I mean? And that was, like, that says something about how much how great it was. And it sucks that that never really got another sequel. It'll, you know what I mean? I'd love to see it again. But Road trip. Yeah, that was the thing. The Vita version, right, that had even more problems. You can even play online. Like, oh, Jesus. But no, Mod Nation Racers, I think we've forgotten. We we remember the game, but I'd forgotten how much fun it was. I'd forgotten how much I care about that franchise, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, like, playing it for review leading up to it on private servers. And then I took the day off of work at IGN to stay at home and play at the servers live. Mm-hmm. So I could actually be a part of that community and stuff because I had so much fun there. Great, a lot of great ideas in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the United Front. Yeah, United Front games. Later went on to make Sleeping, Sleeping Dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're doing now. Still working on that. Uh, what was that? What was that game we played? That we, the Sleeping Dogs MMO, but it's not an MMO. What am I oh, Triad War. Yeah, Triad Wars. That's the one. Right. God only knows what the hell's happening with that. Go play a mobile, you fucking nerd. Uh, Colin. Yes. Time for this week. The PSN's worst name of the week. You ready? Yes. This comes... From Randy Craven, he went to kindoffunny.com slash forums, clicked Son on PSI Love You, and did it. He says, hi. Hi. My name is Randy Craven, and my PSN name is Horn-E-Coward. Horny Coward. I created this PSN name when I was in my mid-20s. I chose this name because of my name, Randy, is slang for horny in Europe, and the definition of Craven is cowardly. I chose this for my Xbox gamer tag as well. My boss and I were talking about video games one day, and she told me that her son plays video games and asked what my PSN name was. I had to explain to her that it's Horny Coward, and why is that the name I chose? I work in a corporate office, so it was a little embarrassing having explained my name to... Uh, Having explained my name so on Xbox, I changed my name to Catfish Craven, but I cannot change my PSN name. I'm 35 years old and stuck with a name I created when I was 27. Please let me change my name. Side note. On Xbox, someone submitted that my name is being offensive, so I called Xbox to explain. The guy told me that I still had to change my name, although he said that my name wasn't even that bad. He spoke to a guy earlier whose name whose name was bad, we'll say. Let me see it. I don't want to say that. <laughs> my God. I don't want to say that. Oh my that's, God. that's really bad. No. Last side note. My oh, geez. My friends and I used that to have... Bad. My, <laughs> side note. My friends and I used to have a bunch of other offensive gamer tags. We used things like Mike Oxen, Mike Oxen Flappin, and Howie Feltler Snatch. Luckily, we all grew up in Xbox, Xbox let us change our names. Regards, Randy Craven, XBL. Catfish Craven. What's what's, PSN? what's offensive about catfish? Horny Craven? coward. No, nothing. No, no. Oh, horny. Xbox right, said that okay, horny right, Craven. Right, horny okay. ca- I, I coward. Right, was, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there he goes. Shuhei, let us change our name. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PS I Love You episode seven. Thank you so much for being along for the ride, Colin. Thank you for your insight. No, it's, it's always it's good to be here with you. PS I Love You XOXO comes to you each and every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and of course podcast services around the globe. Go to kindoffunny.com, subscribe to all the YouTube channels, follow the podcast, watch us over on Twitch. Make sure you go to iTunes and rate the podcast even if you listen to it somewhere else. It means a lot to us and we have that itunes.com slash kindoffunny now where you can get all of our podcasts in one spot. Tim is working on these Google podcasts. So everybody hold your horses on that one. It's coming. Uh, before I let you go, of course, AMA Friday, November 6th, 1 p.m., kindoffunny.com slash forums. Kindoffunny.com Extra Life is November 7th, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, 8 a.m. to 8 a.m., 24 hours of shenanigans, us playing and having a good time. Colin. Yes. Every episode of PSI Love You XOXO in a song. Did I screw that up? 
Every episode of PS I Love You XOXO ends in a song. I think I left out the ends. We call singing a shuhei. Uh, if you have a song you want us to play in this segment, you got to go to kindoffunny.com slash PSM and submit the YouTube link and the download link, usually SoundCloud. Today's comes from Anthony and the Machine. Anthony and the Machine say, it would be an honor to sing a song for Shuhei. I want to dedicate this song to Shuhei, the nuns, and to your beautiful podcast. It's called Flesh and Bone, and it can be downloaded at soundcloud.com slash Anthony and the Machine. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to listen to this song you're watching on YouTube, click the annotation at the end to go to their YouTube page. If you're listening to the MP3, here is Anthony and the Machine. Dream of better times with you 